All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. What up everyone? DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. With you on the Hordes of Chaos, episode 115 on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Neko, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Eating some pizza. Pizza. Eating some pizza. Some snackies. Little snackies. We were visited earlier by Rick and Steven Smith, so you will hear our little interview with them a little Not later. Not brothers, which I totally didn't know, because <laughs> the two of them act like they're brothers. They like do little bickering and, and poke fun of each other, just like they're brothers. And I was like, I'm so dumb. I can't believe I it's didn't know. It's a whole know. mantra, brothers from another mother. <laughs> it's gotta be. Like, they'll post things to each other on Facebook and, like... It'll be what you think two brothers are doing, too. But they both like a lot of the same stuff. And they like, you know, they're from our Bronco group. And so you'll see, like, I'll see them posting things. And I I really thought they were brothers. And I'm really (laughs) dumb. I mean, I guess the last name Smith is pretty, uh... It's a common common last name. So, you know, Smith... You got Rick Smith. You got Steven Smith. I'm like, I thought they were really brothers, but they're friends. So, yeah, we'll be playing, uh pre-recorded uh interview with them a little later on um real quickly uh we watched joe bob briggs last night um the first movie they played was ginger snaps and we were both kind of happy about that have not seen that in quite a while i we really really like that movie too yeah so it's a good one of my top five werewolf movies and i'm really glad that they chose to do a show on that one uh obviously great performances by emily perkins and Catherine isabel uh, in that as well. Um, so later on, we're going to talk a little about uh, Possessed Singer. And Echo had found some information on his update. Just found out that Tony Katane passed at age 59. So we'll be talking a little bit about her. Uh, we'll be talking about the Netflix documentary Sons of Sam. Which is very interesting, of course. And then in our retro DVD movie vault, the movie Full Eclipse. Which we'll be getting to later on. Yeah, I I was kind of um when we watched it, I I had a whole different 
theory of what was... I was like, okay, so this is what's going to happen, and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, that would be the easy way out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. It's, it's like, it's setting you up for what looks like the obvious, and then it throws a, like, a curveball at you, which is very cool. And we'll break into that a lot when we get there. Uh, let's break into our first block of music. Uh, I've got some classic suicidal tendencies in there, but I've got new stuff from Evil or Evil. And kicking it off with brand new stuff by Painstorm. This is Sleepless Night.
Hey everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hey Beak and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Alright, we're back. Yes, we are. With some sad news, unfortunately. I uh, just discovered that Tony Katane has passed away at 59. And uh, for a lot of us older guys, she was like our early crushes in terms of like young starlets or women in rock and whatnot. Um, she's most famously known for her video work with Whitesnake. Uh, Here I go again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she was dating Coverdale at the time. Also, for the rest of us, uh, she appeared on both the EP and Out of the Cellar for Rat. Uh, she's the cover model for that. She actually dated Robin Crosby, the guitarist, for a while early on. Uh, she appeared in videos for Rat for Back for More uh, and stuff like that. Um, she did a few movies, uh, Witchboard, uh, which I watched again not too long ago, but... Uh, also appeared in uh, White Hot Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks, Dead Tides, and but apparently she dealt with uh, substance abuse as well over oh, the years. That sucks. Yeah, I, there's no reason given for her death. Um, could be anything, uh, but they haven't released anything saying how she died. But just as she did pass, I know that David Coverdale tweeted that he was very sad to hear about the news that she had passed. And whatnot. Uh, so that just wanted to pass along the information there. She was a pretty big figure in terms of women in rock around that time, just like Bobby Brown was for Warrant and all that. Uh, also, Neko has some news about the possessed singer. Uh, yeah, Jeff Becerra. Um, I think I'm saying that right. It sounds about right. Yeah. Um, he. I I didn't realize that this is how he became paralyzed, but he was robbed at gunpoint in 1989 and it left him in a wheelchair for pretty much half of his adult life and i follow them on facebook so like i'd see these pictures that he was posting and he's like day 41 you know blah 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 day 61 and apparently he had surgery um it's a it's a skin flap reconstructive surgery which is basically their grinding down all the dead bone in his tailbone and then reconstructing like the his lower back now he can't walk anyway so he's really been bedridden for 61 days and he's hoping to get home he's been in the hospital in nevada for the last 61 days he's hoping to get home in the next seven or so days and do a lot of his pt and recovery um from home, you know, he'll be able to lift weights, he'll be able to, you know, like my mom does, have the PT person come to the house, but I just really wanted to mention it because I just follow a lot of bands on Facebook, and a lot of times you don't really get to see the personal side of them, and, you know, I always have known Possessed have kind of, they've kind of been given, like, the official, like, death metal pioneer label, and that's pretty awesome, but when you see, you know, this larger-than-life person who has now ha has to give it a good year at home to 
recover, it's really, really sad. But he seems really positive. He's actually very happy he had this surgery because I believe your favorite thing, the necrotizing flesh, his, you know, because he's paralyzed. He, it, it's, it was causing him a lot of pain. And now that they've got this reconstructive surgery done, he seems very positive. It sucks. He's definitely saying it sucks, but he's like, I have so many things I'm going to be working on from home. And apparently the drummer lives in Nevada, so he got to go visit the drummer before he went into um, the hospital. And the like, this is what I really like about the Possessed Facebook page. They're like people you know they're not all they'll they'll post some like fun throwback pictures and he actually before he went to the hospital he was like oh this is when we were at the whiskey and this is when we met so and so and this is max from soulfly and well that's one of the great things about like metal in general is like the whole scene and the people involved like we do realize that these guys are just like regular humans and they go through the same trials and tribulations as anybody else. We've, we've noticed within the last 10 to 15 years, a lot of our favorite artists passing away, either old age or they get sick. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we keep up with them. Now it's easier through social media to keep up with a lot of these bands. You get hit up a lot on Instagram and it's really cool because they reach out to us sometimes to follow us or whatever and we do this show and they they find out that we're playing their stuff so they get really happy and they'll be like thank you so much for promoting us right so you know this is we we, we learn as you said through some of their more personal things the trials they're going through that what they're dealing with like i didn't even know they were really dealing with all that um but it's cool and, I, it's, and it's not really being reported on it's not like in right. any of the metal like newspapers or anything but i just know because i follow them on facebook and he's been very you know honest about his his struggle like he's like i can only get out of bed for about two hours a day i have to because i guess because of the area it is by your tailbone you have to be in a certain position for it to heal properly and because he's already dealing with being um paralyzed you know you he really can't feel so much down there so he has to stay in a certain position so it heals properly, but he also has to do his, his PT and occupational therapy. It's just, it was very, I, I, my heart goes out to him because I really, I feel bad, you know, and there's nothing I can do except for just, you know, support him from afar. But I just feel so thankful that they, they've chosen to let their fans be a part of their struggles and to show that they're real people too like well, i'm sure they all appreciate the support and whatnot and i saw a picture actually yesterday or the day before where he was in a wheelchair and he had his gear on and he was giving the horn mm -hmm. so I, I love seeing that like he's still very much you know a metalhead and you know like you said he's been very positive about his his situation and, and improving and so. very forthcoming too because you know sometimes people they're like we, we we need the time to, and that's important to respect the band's privacy but he wants people to know that he's not going out he's he's fighting he wants his his uh surgery to go well and he also wants um everybody to know that possessed is going to be working on some things but from his house <laughs> right so yeah, it's good that he's improving a lot, and we we like to pass along the information as well. Um, all right, well, let's get back into our second block here. Okay. Uh, I got some stuff from Against PR, mm -hmm. Metal Devastation Radio. They are like Against PR, Metal Devastation Radio, and um, 
Grand, what's the other Grand one? Grand Sounds. Yeah, Grand Sounds. Like, they are so supportive of this podcast. They are always sending us stuff to play, and I really appreciate it. Um, we also have two new promotions in this uh, episode. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So we've got Metal Devastation. We've got Grand Sounds. We've got Angels. Blood. We've got Blood. We, we have all the... And the best part is, yes, we do like to play the mainstream stuff, and we get, you know, one here and there. But we are really trying to get these other promotional sites get their bands out there, and and this, it's just so amazing. And that's part of like what well, you were saying on on Instagram. I'll post and I'll I'll do all the tags and stuff, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're listening to our music. You're playing our music, and we're totally yes. The answer is yes, we are." Yeah, I think uh, because our shows are diverse in terms of the rock and metal, that we're able to do a lot more, and I think that helps out a lot of these other promotional sites that deal mainly like curtain calls deals mainly with like rock and roll bands and that's fine because it all fits into our rock mm-hmm. blocks and stuff like that occasionally they'll send me some metal stuff but you know that helps broaden the scope a bit and we can play a lot of different stuff um but we got like stampede uh, pre- uh stampede press um Scarlet Records are new ones. Oh, really? Yeah, so we'll so, be playing some of their stuff. So how do you find some of these um, promotional sites? They too? actually find me. They, Just from yep, looking around? Yeah, they catch our post probably when we share it on Facebook and different groups. And if they're running a particular, you know, label or promotional site, they'll contact me and say, hey, can you, do you mind playing this? Uh-huh. And I'm like, no problem. Just send it our way and we'll do it. Oh, that's so exciting, baby. So here is Grunt. I think their Death and Grindcore played from Against PR to kicking off our next block. So here we go, and we'll talk to you in a few. Awesome.
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you out. All right. All right. We are back and getting ready to jump into our interview with Mr. Rick Smith and Stephen Smith. No relation. <laughs> That's not going to be the running joke. It is going to be the running <laughs> joke because I am so dumb. I thought they were brothers. They act like brothers. They tease like brothers. They pick on each other like brothers. They. I just assumed they were brothers, but they just happened to be two guys with the same last name coming together for a few common little threads like the Denver Broncos, uh, video games, and Comics, comic books. Yeah. So I. They I, are really good friends, and we're. I think we consider ourselves good friends with them as well because we've known them for what six years now. Mm-hmm, since 2015. So we um. And that's really the thing is like. Bronco fans are pretty much family. I mean, we bicker and fight over the stupidest shit, but uh, in the end, we are all Bronco fans, and we love our football team, whether they lose or win. So, and we're really hoping to get the the group back together after this pandemic because it it's really nice. And I, the last couple of years, because I was traveling so much, I didn't get to go and do anything or go. I mean, I think it was like once or twice where, um. I'd come home and it would be like, okay, we have a meetup and I'd get to go to like one or two meetups and then I'm back out on the road or on the boat rather. And, uh, now, I mean, like I said, there's pros and cons to everything that every choice that you make in life. But with, uh, being, um, being home, I can spend a lot more time with people I know. All right. So, uh, we're going to let you all check out the interview. We did it earlier today, and uh, we're going to go probably get a little bit of something to eat. We've been kind of snacking, but we'll mm-hmm. probably eat a little bit of something because we've already been through this the first time around. So Yeah, it's a really good interview, too. So Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We reminisce a lot about the Broncos and, you know, our loves, our favorite players, you know, what we thought on the past seasons and what we think is going to happen this season. So... Uh, a lot of good football knowledge going in there. Just a oh, lot of yeah. experiences. Everybody so. has way more than me. You, the three of you, can just like pull things out of your butt, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I like, I like Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she, uh, she's a little more green on the ears when it comes to Broncos, but she's been a fan since she's met me, so it's been a few years. So she's had a chance to experience some of the highs and lows. And the the heartache that the Broncos, you know, being a fan is, it's almost like abusive. It's it's like we we're we're abused by our own team. We're but then, abused, but we're fortunate. <laughs> yeah, it's like we were. They'll they'll do terrible, but then they'll just pull pull a job or pull a a win right out of their butts at the end of a game, and we're like, "You're killing us! You're giving us heart palpitations!" Right? It's just retarded. Um, but yeah, here it is, our little interview with our friends and fellow Bronco mates, Rick and Steven Smith. And we'll be back 
and we're all done. All right, DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. Here with a couple of friends of ours, fellow Bronco maniacs, Rick and Stephen Smith. No relation. I took that from Die Hard. Remember that Johnson & Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, how are you? I, I go first. I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Doing good, man. Welcome to be here. Good, good, good. Thank you for coming. We, we, we really enjoy having guests. If you can't tell. <laughs> it's funny how you said no relation. Um, everybody on Facebook thinks we're brothers. It's hilarious. Well, you know, I was sitting there saying, like, okay, I'm going to open I thought up. you were. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. No, I, that's how dumb I am. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, they, but they could be brothers. But they act like so it. Close. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And at this point, I don't knock it. So. Right, right. It doesn't matter at this point. It's yeah. like, yeah, okay, we're all I swear to God, I thought that you guys were brothers. No, and you act like it when you make little comments to each other like, and stuff. I was like, okay. He's from the Broncos thing in D.C. All right, cool. He was like, all right, you want to start one in Baltimore? I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Oh, you like comic books, too? Oh, you like comic books? <laughs> okay, cool. Did we just become best friends? Yeah, yeah they talk and they banter, and then I just jump in. Like, <laughs> the one day I started cracking on the Snyder stuff, and he's, Steve's like, yeah, we're not hearing you today. Sorry, take a step back. <laughs> please, <laughs> please see Stop, yourself out. We're, not yeah. today. we're good. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, though. Yeah. So I know, because uh, Rick, you know, I forget how he found you, but you I found the, them on Meetup the, when I was working for The Baltimore Teresa. chapter, yeah. 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 So how did that become about with you? Well, you know, um, so, you know, I'm originally part of the D.C. chapter, and I was there for about, maybe about six, seven years, and then I had an opportunity to move to Laurel, and I moved to Laurel, got a great place, and I was realizing that um, maybe I just need to, you know, do I still want to go to the bar on the weekends, make that drive? And I said, there's a lot of fans that actually live out here. I, I met in Laurel, met in Baltimore, and they didn't have nowhere to go. And I remember one day I was driving to D.C. from Laurel, and there was a Bronco fan behind me. He actually came to our bar uh, one time, too, in Baltimore. Oh, wow. And he was like, hey, I'm following you because I don't know where to go. <laughs> so it's funny. So he's following me all the way to D.C., and then he gets there, and um, he didn't know anybody, so I tried to like introduce him and stuff. And he's like, this place is great. But I can't make that drive from Baltimore every single weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I said, I, I can see that. You know, because I'm coming from Laurel. It's it's halfway point. Right, mm -hmm. right. So um, I was like, let me start doing some fillers. And I was like, I, I kind of got discouraged. because like, you know, this is a lot of work. I said, <laughs> but I, I have helped run the D.C. chapter. I've kind of been the hype man compared to running the chapter. So I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. So I reached out to a few places. Let me tell you, everybody in Baltimore is all Ravens and Eagles, and the fact that everybody I contacted was like, you want to open up a Broncos bar in Baltimore? No. Yes, yes we do, <laughs> yeah, actually. I was like, yeah, I said, I just got laughed at. I called one bar, and they actually laughed me off the phone. It was pretty pretty embarrassing, but uh, oh, wow. yeah, they're lost, but I'm not going to put them out, put them all blast. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we came to, you know, I reached out to McGurk. Somebody told me to reach out to McGurk, and I'm like, that's an Eagles bar. I know that place. And they're like, look, we can give you us one TV in the back with no sound. You're like, oh, thanks. No sound. Yeah. <laughs> After calling around 50 different places, I was like, man, this is not going to happen in Baltimore. And my wife was like, Rick, don't give up. My wife is the best. Aww. Yeah, she was like, Rick, you want to do this? Especially for our Cowboys fans. Like, you know, yeah. the fact that she's so supportive <laughs> is great. <laughs> yeah, she's been, she's been number one fan for me um, since day one, regardless of her relationship with Jerry World and everything else. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, McGurk's reached out, they reached back out and said, look, 
this is the best we can do. I said, it's an Eagles bar. You got to make it work. So, as Stephen probably remembers, we got this little table, probably the size of a coffee table. And we had one screen with no sound. I think that was the first place we went to. We were going to McGurk's. Um, yeah. Because it was about 2015 when yeah, we yeah. when we joined. Um, yeah. I was, I, I was using Meetup a lot for, I was working for a, a startup company that we did accounting for small businesses. Okay. So we were using Meetup for like opportunities to kind of like find small businesses. And then I just typed in Broncos one day because he's actually from Denver and I'm from Baltimore. And I just, I never even cared about football until I met him. So I'm like, it would be great if we could find like a Broncos club, like, cause yeah. there's clubs for everything around here. And then I found it. I was like, Hey, Hey baby. Hey, Hey, we have something to do. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you know, those bars that tell you that, you know, there's no place for Broncos. Whenever I went to a Broncos-Ravens game, there were a ton of Bronco fans. Like, a yeah. lot of them. And that's kind of surprising, really. Which yeah. is good, but it just surprised me. And I was like, I don't know what the problem is. We should have our own bar yeah. here. It was crazy because it's like, I guess bars don't like money. And going back to the 2012 game in Baltimore... I mean, even the Broncos gave a shout-out for having so many fans at the stadium. We went to that game, didn't we? I think everybody, I think everybody Yeah, that's the that one that Peyton won. Everybody yeah. who's a part of our chapter went to that game. That's, Peyton game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the one where uh, Joe Flacco ate dirt. I was at the sideline, and that was just amazing. That was the first win I've ever witnessed the Broncos have against the Ravens. Yeah. Oh, yes, we yeah. us too, because we, we went to the Tebow game, and yeah... No, we didn't. We did. That was the first game that Tebow lost. No, no. no. We, we went to Orton. It was Orton. Orton, it was still okay. Orton. Orton. Well, we, we, had, we had just walked in we the were, stadium. It was 6-0. That's right. That's we right. Up, we came off a bye. The Ravens came off the bye. They lost against the Steelers the week prior. And, I, and the whole time they were playing the Steelers, I'm like, if you guys lose to the Steelers, you guys are going to be pissed when we come into town and y'all going to beat us. And it's like every time the Broncos come to Baltimore, they lose. But then lose. Peyton was here and we're like, Yay. We walked in on that game, and the screens were up, and we were we, we were getting refreshments or something. And like the first place, Orton got sacked. I'm like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> my uncle has always been really cool because he has um, Ravens tickets. He has season tickets, so anytime the Broncos are here, he offers us the the tickets yeah. and great seats too. But we were always around all his Ravens fans, and it's just like us two little Bronco people. Funny story though, like I think when Neko and I were there. I forget what game it was. It was before the Peyton game, and the game was well out of hand. The Ravens were just beating us down. Probably the Orton game. We just decided, well, let's get the hell out of here. So you know, we got up, and started walking out, and people, like, hey, don't leave. You know, I'm like, we're okay, we're okay. We know we got our ass kicked. And then when Peyton beat them, the Ravens started getting up late yeah. in the game. Like, where are you guys going? This going? is great. <laughs> We stayed too. Like everybody cleared out, and we stayed. So like I was trying to get yeah. Because Peyton came down, I was like, "Please touch my hand, touch my hand." Let me tell you, living in Baltimore, being a Broncos fan, it is hell. Yeah, because I was in high school when the Ravens won that first Super Bowl. So of course I'm talking big shit in school, doing that playoff game. Oh, we gonna beat y'all Friday. I'm talking big. We gonna beat y'all. Okay, we gonna bet money. We gonna bet money. Okay, I'll pay for your lunch. Pay for your lunch. We ended up losing, I think we lost 21 to 3. Yeah. Probably. That sounds oh, about right. Oh, man. When I came in that Monday morning, <laughs> it was hell. 
It's like, pants. Everybody, like, because everyone knew I was a Bronco. I wore Bronco. We wore ties at school. I wear a Bronco tie, Bronco's hat, orange and blue shirt, orange shirt, blue pants. I love that. It was that was that was my game. Everybody knew me as a Bronco fan. I wore the black guy with the big afro was the Bronco fan. Everyone knew me. Oh, Bronco, oh, we whipped your head. Walked through the hall. This is, I was, what was that, 2001? So yeah. I was a uh, junior. So I had to go to the second floor. So I had to walk to the whole first floor with all the seniors. Getting ragged by them, get up to the second floor, ragged by half the sophomores, half the juniors. Oh my god! We come into class. I made a bet with a teacher. Oh! If the Ravens won, I will eat purple chalk. If the Broncos won, he'll eat orange chalk. <laughs> get in the class. Of course, of course, that's my first class that Monday morning. He's like, walk in the class. Here you go. Wait till the bell rings. All out. everyone else gets to class so they can witness it. Bite into it. Was it grape flavor? No, it, was, <laughs> it, it tastes. It, it tastes like it tastes like biting into an aspirin. Did, did, did he give you mouth. like a chaser? He let me. He let me run to the water fountain, go rinse my mouth out. But my whole my teeth were purple. Oh, that's hysterical! Oh, and see, back then we didn't like kids. Now it's like you got all the phones out. At least right. we could have our embarrassment in private right. back then when we were in high school. Yeah, I could imagine having a social media age when I was in high school. No, me that. either. But yeah, like so. I remember in 97, the first time we won the Super Bowl against the Packers. I remember before that. Uh, now, I used his to best friend is a Packers fan, I used too. to work at a writer, as just filling up diesel trucks and whatnot. And there was this one guy who come through, he was a Chiefs fan, and he was talking so much oh, mad shit that goodness. day. And I said, he goes, dude, the Packers are going to kick your guys' ass. I'm like, I said, do you know what, dude? You're not even paying attention. Too many people are sleeping on the Broncos this year. You just wait. I said, even if we lose, it ain't going to be by much. Don't trust me. It's a way different team than you've ever seen the yeah. Broncos had. So naturally, when Denver won, I'm like waiting for this motherfucker to come in, dude. <laughs> he saw me coming to the truck. He's just like. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not paying attention. No, it is, bro. Yeah. What made it that much sweeter is, um. That Jordan special. I know he betted on the Broncos. I was like, my respect level for Jordan went through the roof. Because, I mean, we were underdogs that game. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, but, you know, it's the life of a Broncos fan. It's, it's hard. It's stressful. <laughs> it's hard. Well, you know, I, I kind of look back now because, you know, our record in Super Bowls isn't that great. But yeah. I'm saying. The fact that we even got through that many Super Bowls says a lot. Three and five. I mean, we're very, we're a very fortunate organization. Hell yeah! I saw, yeah. I saw a, um, a stat yesterday that uh, we have never had a, uh, the first pick in the draft. Never. That's right, because we traded for Elway. Yeah, we only won three teams: us, Seahawks, and one other Ravens. Yeah, so I'm like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, the fact that. You know, our, we do have a losing record in the Super Bowls, but the fact that we actually got there, like, so many teams haven't even got there yet. Yeah. And it's like, you know, okay, we're the second best team. We got our asses kicked, but we still got there. If, you can't diss us for getting there if you can't beat us to get there. Exactly. So it's like, Elway used to pull some shit out of his ass to get us there, but like. But, question, as a Bronco fan, why is it always heart failure at that moment? It's just like, it's never conventionally done. It's no. always heart failure. We're all, like, it's all insane for, like, the first three quarters, and then, like, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, something amazing happens. I'm just like, why, why can't we just win conventionally? Like, why, 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 why do we have to get in a position where we gotta sit there, and we gotta kneel down, we gotta hold hands, we gotta do all this... Uh, stuff, you know, I'm just like, why? Like, 
we just can't win convincingly. We just have to. I think the only one I've seen is the Atlanta Super Bowl. That was the only time that we actually kind of dominated, and that was kind of like not even tell question until late because I think was it their special teams guy took one early in the second half to the house, and then I was like, oh no, don't do this, don't do this. (laughs) It's starting again. (laughs) What makes it worse about us winning like that? Super Bowl forty eight. Deep down in your heart, you're like, oh, stop, Peyton, Peyton got this. Peyton can come back for us. We got this. All right, we're going to go to halftime, get a breather, come back out, stop more defense. I was away before that. Like, that first snap, I'm like, oh, no. We went, I went, we were, we always go to my girlfriend Michelle's house usually for Super Bowl. And the last couple of but you Super know Bowls, um, I was sailing. But during that one, I was home. We actually, the girls, quit. We all went downstairs and watched the proposal, and then they're upstairs. The men are upstairs just well, laughing. Well, I at watched him. like yeah, I got to halftime. I said, okay, well, it's only twenty-two minutes. We managed to stay this close, and then when what's his face took it, took it in the second half. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go watch a movie. <laughs> now I'm going to watch. <laughs> and I don't usually check out at games like that, but I just knew it was just too much of a problem that for day us. Was so bad for me. Um, <laughs> but you know what made me mad about that was that. I think that's the only game yet that they've played in, like, shitty weather. I really thought that was a detriment to us because I'm like, that's unfair for us to have to play in, like, pretty cold-ass weather. I mean, I know other cities want to host the Super Bowl, but when people think of the Super Bowl, it's a festivity, and, like, you want to be in nice weather, you want to enjoy it. Right. Yeah, the problem with that game was, I mean, nobody could get to it because of the weather. Right. And and the, the seats were cheap as hell, so it was like, everybody on the East Coast was able to go to the game um, but it just for me personally, I had to go on Fox Five that morning. Oh, um, oh no! Yeah, I've seen you on TV a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not gonna try to beat my chest with any. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on TV a lot, uh, but I remember laughing when I. Her and I saw you, and I think it was Monday Night Football when they did a little collage. Yeah. Like, we I said, there's Rick. Him. We know him. Steve, you know, Steve was like, hey, you want to get on here? I'm like, because I, I, I kind of hand over the reins to Steve for the Baltimore chapter. I'm kind of just helping from the shadows. And uh, Steve said, like, you want to get on here? And then the guys from the Broncos were like, oh, snap, Rick's on here. And I'm like, yeah, right now this is going to go tonight. <laughs> Super Bowl 48, because I, I went up that Saturday. They had like the whole NFL experience at Times Square. I was like, all right, then I'm done Times Square, and I'll go off for Super Bowl. So me and my buddy James, you know, yeah, James, James, we hopped on the mega bus when I'm there for that day. And the whole day, I just had a, like, I was walking around, I've never seen so many Seahawks fans. Yeah. I don't know if it was just because they like the new color jerseys or what. It was just right. so many Seahawks fans around, and I was like, this don't feel right. <laughs> was, I, I would say for every, it was like maybe one, one, Broncos, one Broncos fan for every five Seahawks fans. I was so mad during that game. I was like, but it's crazy. Like there were those that season and season before, something happened in the state of Maryland. I have never seen so many Seahawk flags and Forty Nine er flags, and I'm like, where did y'all come from? Like for the record, I know we got a couple more Bronco fans because of Peyton and Tebow, but everybody in Oxon Hill, Laurel, wherever, <laughs> it's like I saw Forty Nine ers and Seahawks flags everywhere, and I'm like, hold up, there is no way. And then I remember I was at uh, the D.C. chapter and I asked the guy, I said, hey, do you know who um, Steve Largent is? And he was like, who's that? Was he a quarterback for us? And I'm like, 
<laughs> you're a Seahawks fan. Like, come on. Like, this is, you know, some things you should know. Yeah, you, you generally get a lot of bandwagon. Like, I saw it in actually 97, 98. All of a sudden, all these people had, like, Bronco gear. And I'm like, where were you, like, yeah. three years ago? <laughs> that, that's, that's right at the time I became a fan, honestly. Yeah. When they, they switched the jerseys over, the new jersey with the... The blue. The got in the, got in the, um, got in the under center. And it made the Nike swoosh on the side. I thought that was so cool at the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm wrong. I wish I, I wish we had switched those color rush, man. I love that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was a Cowboys fan because that's all they showed on TV. That that's was how, him for a long time, that's too. That's all they showed. Cowboys. Dorset, Danny White. Wherever Deion Sanders went. That was a fan. That's what I was saying for. Yeah, it was hard for me. I, I, I was living in North Carolina at the time. I came a Bronco fan. So um, there wasn't, it was probably about 94, 95, right before the uh, Panthers came. And I just like on on the uh, the Sunday afternoon game was always the Broncos because they were hot in the nineties and people loved Elway. Right. And the only other games they showed were either Cowboys, Redskins, or Falcon games. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like I just got hooked, man. And then um, you know I still love the Panthers because you know I love Steve Smith. He's one of my favorite wide receivers of all time. But it was hard, especially now. That's what yeah. it is. It's a hell of a name. <laughs> and but then what happened what hurt me the most was because I have so much love from since I'm from North Carolina, I have so much love for the Panthers and the, the latest Super Bowl, Super Bowl fifty, it hurt. Because I'm like, I wanna see, you know, my state, my home, I wanna see them win a championship. But I bleed blue and orange mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's gonna be tough. So my whole family was upset. <laughs> they were all done with me. Yeah. Not even talking to you. Yeah, I will be sure to add some gasoline to the fire too. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think when Carolina had Kevin Green, I was kind of like pulling for him a little yeah. bit. But I, at Super Bowl Fifty, it was just a no-brainer. I'm not, I'm not a Newton fan at all. So like watching us just watching Vaughn tear him down like that, like I was kind of blown. I didn't really expect the kind yeah. of play way we played. I knew we played well, but deep down, I'm still mad at. Uh... Uh, who the hell was that? Who fell on that fumble in the 10 zone? Was it uh, Ward? No, it was... Uh, oh, oh. Um, he went to the Eagles. Yeah, uh, yeah. What Malik Jackson and... Malik Jackson. I'm still mad at him falling on that fumble. <laughs> Vaughn should have got that. Oh. <laughs> I wanted Vaughn to get that fumble covered. <laughs> I think Vaughn was a little surprised he got it out of there. Like That whole gang, I think Vaughn's like... Although you do kind of pick up on it. If you ever saw the... Uh, before the game when Vaughn's talking to Ray, like... Now you watch out. They're going to be holding me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you guys at the bar for the party at Super Bowl party? No, we didn't actually. We were at the Super Bowl party with her friend. Oh, we were at Michelle's house, yeah. Yeah, that and, uh, was a wild night. I saw the aftermath of the yeah, video. Uh, Steve's like... That was, that was McGurk. <laughs> that, was, that was the best McGurk's ever treated us. Yes. Because the whole season, all season long, we're there. We're watching games. We're cheering. We're doing our boost cheers and... Eagles fans have a scrappy in that year, so we're cheering. Oh, fuck the Broncos. Well, they were throwing those snob remarks in while we're cheering. But that was the best experience. Like, the only time we cheered, I think the only time we cheered for the Eagles, for the Eagles they beat the Patriots. Yep. And that helped us get up to the first Oh, Oh, after that game, we had shots with them. We were they drinking. Were, oh, right, we they were giving us shots. We partied up. <laughs> that, brought, that Super Bowl, they gave, they gave us all you can eat. All you can eat, all you can drink like for 15, 20, 20, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. We should have went. They were like, look, Rick, this is what we can do for you. We give you the whole upstairs. It, you know, we'll cap off the 80 people. 20 bucks. All you can drink. And I'm like, there. what? And then all of a sudden, everybody, everybody showed up. Like, we had we had about 81 people that night. It was, it was And Steve took off his shirt, right? At the end of the game. <laughs> 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 
that season, I, they had a, they had a um, outside patio. Right. And that was my area. I would go during the game because I was I was smoking a lot of cigarettes at the time. I was chain smoking, Peyton heavy, bro, Brock heavy chain smoking, uh, Newport cigarettes. So that game, I um they had us upstairs. Well, they had us still there, but most of the time I spent all on the patio smoking because the game because it was so damn close. Then Vaughn got that strip felt that strip sack at the end of the game. I ran upstairs, went to the bar, got me two beers. I looked around at everybody. I was like, look, if y'all don't want to get wet by beer, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> we are fucking super, we're about to be Super Bowl champs. Took my jersey off, shook the beers up, and I'm just going. <laughs> Yo, it was. I thought I was going to get thrown out. I, I don't know. It was. And then Jennifer, you guys know Jennifer. Yeah, Jen. Well, she was on the uh, ones and twos on the uh, stereo and you know, doing her DJ thing, and she had the music blasting. Right when Steve hit the, uh, the Coors Lights, uh, Coors Light shuffle. And and the lights started flickering and it was just like total chaos. Was, Everybody was everybody shuffling, was dancing, yelling, screaming, crying. It was I have never felt an experience like that ever. Just being immersed with Bronco fans, watching the Super Bowl, getting wet with Coors Light, dancing, you know, we are the champions and everything. It was just it was the and then that was our first year as the Baltimore chapter and we won the Super Bowl. I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Uh-huh. Just that, yeah, the perfect year. Because I think, like, yeah, I mean, we both separately went out to Baltimore that week one. Yeah. And then you was like, okay, we're going to have, we're going to do a meetup for week two. No, we were at Denver. Yeah, Denver. Yeah, yeah Denver. we were Denver for the Baltimore we game. We had a meetup for week two. Yeah. And you messaged some people. I was like, okay, cool. Some people said they want to come out. But you put that, as normal, he puts the invite up on Facebook. 30 people said they're coming. You get there. It's me, Rick, and Matt. Three yeah. people show up. We're out, we're out the outside patio. Watching the guy, I think Will did Will show up. Will we'll show up there? I think the week three, I think. Okay, so just three of us on the outside pad. I brought my roommate with me. Right, he's watching on our full. So it's four of us week two, week three. It made, every week it just got bigger and bigger as a as a hype went on. I think the biggest night we had besides Super Bowl was the Sunday Night Packers game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was it was packed. It was packed that night. Everybody said we we're going to lose. People came in that night, but no, the biggest night, uh, the conference championship game. We had that huge blizzard here in town. Everybody was like, is anybody know is the bar? Anybody knows the bar is gonna be open, the bar is gonna be open. But I woke up at six o'clock, cleaned my car off. I called the bar at like nine, ten o'clock. Did we go to that one? I feel like because we went out on the I think uh, it, it was crazy. I, I was shocked so many people came. Because it was I, snowing. The weather was it was cool. a blizzard, the blizzard uh-huh. whole weekend, yeah. And it finally stopped snowing on Sunday morning. It, and I cleaned my car off. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Did we Uber out there? I don't remember. We usually Uber because, like, we don't. I mean, I know like you guys. After a while, <laughs> I know we moved that's terrible. From but McGurk's to the other place. Tin roof. Social pie. Social pie. Social pie. The the. Uh, <laughs> what? That was that really cute place too. That used to be like a um, a sub uh, shop. That, the, yeah, it was like this. Well, well, we went to Social Pub. Then we went to Larry's. Larry's. I Larry's. loved Larry's. Did we do a whole season of Social Pie. No, 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 we went like four weeks. It, maybe it, it was part. Yeah, it was about. Well, we is social pie the one that was on the top floor. Yeah, so yeah. we had four good weeks. Then we had two bad weeks, and then I had to go. You know, you yeah, know, sell my soul to a few people. It, I mean, it's a college. It's a, it was a college bar, so you got the drunk ass college kids coming down for fed. They wanted to come hang out and play music and party and drink and. So yeah, it got annoying. Forced us out. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and then you know, then Larry invited us in, and then. Didn't yeah. he close his place? Yeah, that place closed. Yeah, he closed prematurely during the season, and yeah, I was uh, 
that wasn't a good feeling. And, but the reality was, during the Super Bowl, Tin Roof, which is an amazing restaurant and looking out for us for the last three, three, four mm-hmm. years, um, they, I did a, um, a piece for them in the Baltimore Sun. This is called the Baltimore Sun, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I don't screw that up. And they did, I did a piece on them, uh, a piece with them in reference to the Super Bowl. And Tim Roof was like, hey, you guys ever need a place, we can give you guys all these TVs and stuff, but you got to put you guys in the back because we're giving all the front space to the Panthers. So I was like, nah. I said, you know, I, 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 I'm done being, you know, second fiddle to right. any other team. Like, if, if you want us, you're going to give us prime, you know, attention, prime risk. Yeah, yeah we, want mean, the, we want the yeah. big screen. Yeah. How, how does that yeah. work, Doug? Because, like, I mean, okay, why is the Panthers so big there? Well, it's the guy who was running it. He just kind of just he kind the same thing I did. Find people in the area. Okay, so it was someone else who approached them. Yeah, um, they they've been there for the last two three years, and of course the Panthers were hot that year. They were fourteen and two, so I mean they were hot, and um, so people they had a packed house, and I was like, well, I'm, we're not gonna be second fiddle to nobody, and then everything kind of just went to crap with the other bars in so many words, and I hit up Tim Roof and I said, look. Panthers, you know, they only have two or three fans that still coming because after Super Bowl, Panthers, they're they just the whole team just went pretty much same with us. Yeah, the production of the team dropped. The people stopped showing up. So to make money, of course, you know, it's like, hey, you guys have more fans. Let's let's see if we can get y'all over here. And well, we've done pretty well because like we went to the Atwater signing. That shit was banging, dude. That was out on the. Ship. I did. I the, missed that. That Steve, of course. Like, let me tell you, let me tell you a story about Steve. <laughs> so let me tell you, Steve, Steve my, time. No, Steve is my boy, and he's always a ride or die. But every time we have a huge event, he is never in Baltimore. <laughs> he is always away, and I don't understand how the big events. It'd be six months in advance. I was like, Steve, we didn't have anything in six months in advance. Oh man, I hope it doesn't fall on this day. I hope it doesn't fall on this day. And it always falls on that day. Hall of Fame, who's that? Who's Hall of Fame was that year? Was that uh, TDs? Yeah, I think so. TDs Hall of Fame, yeah. I was in New Orleans for my buddy's uh, bachelor party. I have yet to make the Hall of Fame. I want. I, I really want to go. I was going to go that year, but my buddy's bachelor party fell that weekend. And that was like yeah. one of my favorite players, that too. So. Time that I was in Toronto yeah. for another buddy's yeah. bachelor party. I was like, Steve is not here. I'm like, Steve's going to miss out. And then the Broncos came to the bar. They brought the cheerleaders. They brought Miles. I know. And Steve Atwater told me that that he was not going to be able to make it because he had a prior engagement. So I was like, "Dang." Yeah, that was going to suck. Yeah, I said that's kind of sucks. And now people are going to be like, not going to want to come. It's going to be like a you know, it's going to be a, a crappy you know meeting meet up. And then it was that day. Scott Lantis called me from the Broncos. And Steve said he can spare fifteen minutes. You want him on yes or no? I said, "Hell yeah!" We <laughs> get. Well, he so, was there longer than that. Yeah, so he hung out. He he, he pushed his stuff aside because he's like, I want to. He told me straight up, he said, I want to be there for the Broncos fans. And I was like, this man right here, he he, he gets he, it. He moved everything around because he wanted to be there. And he lives around here, doesn't he? He lives down in Potomac, I think. Yeah, um, he has a house out in Potomac, um, but he's you know he's the ambassador, so he's always in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's so revered in Bronco Land, like. And the fact that he was there, just it was almost surreal. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe Steve Atwater was at the Baltimore Chapters bar. Like I, I, I still can't fathom that. Like uh, you know, I don't think I've met very many Bronco players. I met Elway when I was fifteen. He was at a local school, Hinkley. 
Six. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Of, yeah, it's six. Atwater. Well, we we went to Philly. Philly did an Atwater signing. Met Atwater there. I got signed with him. Then I go outside to go take a smoke break. <laughs> I just do. And I'm smoking. Sitting there talking to the, um, JJ and another girl. JJ ran the Philly chapter at the time. And I'm looking. I see this massive dude walk, massive white dude walking down the street in the, in the army fatigue shirt. And I'm looking. I see another massive dude walking right behind him. That's Derek Wolf. That's Brandon Marshall. <laughs> oh, that's Derek Wolf, Brandon Marshall. <laughs> I'm going across the street. I love Derek Wolf. And I'm like, I have no problem with Jerry. I'm hoodie. I'm waving at him. Can I take a picture with you guys? I'm like, throw my cigarette down. <laughs> uh, Derek Wolf, Brandon Marshall. Oh, what was the other two? The other guy was a D, uh, D lineman. D lineman, uh, Kerr. Um, oh my god. Let's go look it up. I know that, um, because, see, I didn't know much about Marshall, but, you know, he's a decent linebacker. Well, you knew him pretty well, and I guess his mother? Yeah, well? his yeah. mom. So, it's funny how I met his mom, so, um, how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was a DC chapter, right? And we're sitting there, and this is his first year with us. Oh, you want to say his name right quick? Oh, don't talk Pecco. And, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I was sitting at the DC chapter, and I'm like, who is 54? I said, who's wearing a 54 that Marshall just started with us? I was like, did he just play for Jacksonville? I was like, why don't you come to the bar wearing a number 54 jersey? This guy just started on our team, and I haven't heard nothing about him. So I was like, so I kind of, I was talking to a couple people at the bar. I was like, who the hell wears a, a Brandon Marshall jersey to the, to the bar? Like, this guy just started for him. Nobody knows who he is. So I went up to her. I said, hey, I said, some nice jersey you got. Because it was, it, it looked authentic. She's like, this is actually his practice jersey. And I'm like, you're like, how'd you get that? And I was, like, I was like, excuse me? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm his mom. I'm like, damn. Oh, no. I, I was like, first I was like, man, maybe I should flame the person. But I said, like, I'm not going to be like that because I, you know, embrace all Bronco fans. But I was like, like, seriously. And uh, and then from then, like, you know, we talked for a little bit. And then I didn't talk for about two years. And then I was on the plane um, going to Denver for the week one in 2015, right before we started the chapter. And I'm on the, the shuttle bus, and I'm like, she looks real familiar. And I'm like, I said, hey, I said, nice hoodie. She was like, yeah, it's my son's. I was like, you're Brandon Marshall's mom. She was like, yeah. And then she was like, yeah, I got pictures with him. And I said, I've hung out with fans. It's like, so I put up my phone. I said, you remember this one? She's like, oh, my God, you're Rick. Because she remember who I was. That's and, cool. And then we chilled on the plane. We talked. And after the fact, like, I couldn't meet Brandon, but Brandon went to come pick her up from the um, airport. Aww. But yeah, she. But then she has been number one since since that moment. Um, I've done interviews with her. I talked to her on the phone. I'm I'm cool with her family. I don't try to I don't try to like push it. Some people like with her. They try to like, hey, this is hey, can I talk to Brandon? Hey, can you just want to use her And certain people I know that do that, and I don't like to do that. I keep it strictly 100 with her. I don't ask for nothing. And. And they appreciate that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, she's done things for my daughter. She's done stuff for my wife. Aww. She sends me stuff, like, brand sign stuff from Brandon all the time. Oh, that's awesome. And she keeps up with my whole family. Like, her and my mom are actually good friends now, so... That's, that's great. Nice. So, it's, it's... She is a sweetheart and the biggest heart. She and I, we... There's always... I mean, you guys probably remember uh, when the wide receiver Marshall played for Chicago. Oh, God, yeah. And he was seen on the sidelines no texting. No, no, no relation. relation. He was texting, and, like, people started going in about Marshall shouldn't be texting on his phone, and they had the wrong Marshalls. So bring- <laughs> yeah, they're tagging on Twitter. And he's like, our linebacker, he's like, he's like, I'm not even playing. Yeah, I'm like, 
Same thing happened, what, 2016 when the, uh, everybody started taking the needle on the anthem and they're sending out death threats and they're sending them all to the wide receiver, Brandon Marshall. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And he's like, I'm not even playing. Right. Well, that's what happened to me. Uh, I had a similar situation with, uh, my name is Rick Smith. So the general manager for the Texans, <laughs> for a while back, used to be Rick Smith. And he uh, picked up Brock Osweiler. They gave Brock Osweiler, I think, five mi- five years, seventy two mil. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was like the Brinks yeah. truck just so, backed up. So they, you know, they eventually traded him to Cleveland, and everybody got pissed. It's like you, you made this horrible deal and everything else. So people started tagging me <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter and going off on me, and I'm like, hold up, you know. <laughs> I hate to say it like this, you know, we all look alike, but and I, was sitting there, I was like, yo, I am not this guy. You're like, like I'm not I, this Rick I, Smith. I, I, I'm not this I had to tell three people I'm they were going in on me. Oh my god. And I was like, dude, I am not this guy. I don't That's even live crazy. in Texas. Yeah, I'm living in Maryland. Come on, bro. So who is your favorite Bronco? Ooh. Of all time? Yeah. Oh, all time. I'm going with all man. I'm a defensive guy. Lawrence Taylor is my favorite player of all time. Ball's right there with him. So. I mean, I wore, I wore 56 in high school when I played ball in the middle league because of Lawrence Taylor. It's also the year my mom was born, so oh, it always that yeah. number always nice. So 56 is my number to all my squad from my way of jersey. But uh, Vaughn, Vaughn's a guy, man. He's he gets the job done, pitches the bag, and then he, he shows out when he shows up. So. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I had it was it was hard in the beginning, like Vaughn, because. He had, he failed a drug test and then he come out to suspension failed a drug test. Yeah, it was a bit of a rough start. His first three yeah. three seasons. But he's more than proven his worth, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, me, um this one made me hate fax machines, but I have to go with <laughs> Elvis Dumerville. <gasps> I actually kinda oh, like that thing. Oh yeah, uh, Everyone kept saying he was so one-dimensional, but man, he was a force. He was a force. He had 18 sacks in one year with nobody on the opposite side of him. Who even uses a fax machine anymore? Come on yeah, now. Yeah, come on. I mean, to this day, <laughs> some Bronco fans didn't really care about Doomersville, but every time they post a picture of Brady getting smacked, guess who's eating that mm-hmm. smack now? It's Doomersville. Yeah. Uh, and it just it, I'm so upset that I, I really thought the Doomerville and Miller thing was going to be a thing of the future. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm just so upset Von that Doom. it was botched so bad. Because yeah. Doom and Miller, I thought that this is going to be the future. They were there. I mean, well, I that like, brings me to another question, though, because now we have George Patton running the GMs. And uh, what do you think so far? I got to see on June 2nd, man. If they actually go through with that trade, and I got to see what he gives up. Because if he gives up... I saw someone say three firsts. Oh, this is coming from the Raiders, though. It was three firsts, Ruggs, and Max Crosby. And I'm thinking that's way too much right. for a guy who might only play three to five years. Right. I've, I've seen people say they're going to give up Vaughn for him. I, I'm told that that Vaughn thing with him, boy, he is... The, my only issue with Vaughn right now is that contract, man. If he finds a way to restructure that thing, I'd be glad. I mean, he earned it, though. Huh? It's true. He did. Oh yeah, he did. He did. And and I'm not gonna fault him for wanting his money, but like, it, it's just so crazy. Like I, I knew it was crazy when we signed him. I'm like, the dude just won your Super Bowl. You can't not pay him that. And, it, and his plans, they'll, they'll get those big payouts, and they'll never play up to it. And Vaughn showed up every game that he's been when he's healthy. He's out there playing. Like then we got the, the freaking Goober from Baltimore. He get that big contract. And- <laughs> <That dude. laughs> I was like. 
You know, okay, let's see if Flacco no, can do it. But uh, like I, a game after, I'm just like, okay, I let's not sick. see how this. I was sick to my stomach. I was like, <laughs> I can't. And we we in Baltimore too, so this is going to be a hundred times worse. Everybody else in Broncos country is like, yeah, we got Flacco. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, y'all understand how bad this is? You're like I've witnessed it. Yes, yes, I know. I like you understand. I live here. I live in the essence of this. This is not good for anybody. And then the NFL. You guys did a bad job after they beat us in the playoffs and they won Super Bowl and put his picture on the side of Mount High or Vesco Field. Oh, that's right. That was disrespectful. You don't do that. There's no way. That. I'm sorry, I wouldn't play that game. And that was, and I'm glad Peyton threw seven touchdowns. Thank you. Oh, we worked him hard. That, felt, that was an opening game. That felt so good. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm hoping we get the Ravens week one again this year. Because both times we got on week one, we got a little bit of Super Bowl that year. So let's get it. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. We went there for uh, it, it should be. Stewart got that touch, got that uh, interception. And, uh, I mean, I liked our draft a lot. I so. loved it. I loved it too. We got five five players in the top three of their positions. I read this morning that uh, when it came to actual value, Denver was number one. Yeah, number one. Yep. Uh, what I like about George Patton is like his picks that he made. Are going to pay out in the future. He set himself up for success, not this year, but the year after, the year after that, because these are easy contracts. The first year guys, and they're all stars. They're going to come in here, they're going to work hard, probably won't get a lot of time, but then you don't have to worry about giving, having massive contracts next year. You're going to be getting all these dudes off the off the books. You're probably getting Darby off the book, getting Jackson off the book. Okay. I mean, you look at you're probably getting about 36 to 40 mil off the books, and you got guys that's just going to get work. Time this year and get experience and be ready to go next year. Mm-hmm. Certain probably won't get much time this year, but next year I guarantee he'll be a starter. Yeah, he'll probably start out on the nickel and then yeah. just make his way yeah. into. Yeah, but next year I guarantee he'll probably. Be the greatest one thing about Patton for me this year was not only just the quality of picks that he got, like he he just he addressed he needs. So you got both need plus really good players. Like obviously, I know you and I between all of us we're talking about Parsons like I would have loved to have him Yeah. but Brown is going to be a beast there's oh, no doubt about it Yeah. he's very versatile in that regard so uh, as you said uh, these guys are going to pan out in a couple of years so. and the, the thing that shocked me the most so far resigning Simmons yeah Yeah. I, I think it was going to happen I was I, in my mind I was, I, was, I was done with him I was ready for him to be gone I thought he was gone I thought he was and then he worked before. out the Vaughn situation like yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it sucks for Lindsey, but no matter what we would have done for Lindsey, he wouldn't have been happy here. I, th- I think it, it's... Well, part of the problem is you, <clears throat> they weren't really even using him the way they should have. They no. kept trying to use him like Gordon yeah. to bash him through the middle, but he's more yeah, of that's like... That's not who he is. Right, he's more like a fast scat back kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, he can play, but... He, he can play. He, 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 can't catch out, he can't catch out of the backfield. Yeah. And he's not good at pass protection. So when he, if he's a, he's a liability on the corner. And then he gets injured. That's right. all I, you know what I mean. Yeah, it happens, but that's 16, a problem. Yeah, he hasn't played 16 games. And and that's why I feel, ba- I feel bad for Boone coming in because I think Javante Williams is going to uh, jump him hard. Will, well, especially if Gordon keeps losing that ball. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll work out because we'll probably let Gordon go on free agency. Yeah. And then it'll be, it'll be Boone. And, uh, the thing is, we don't even know if Gordon's even going to get suspended this year yet or not. Oh, because okay. oh, that. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, even though he got cleared, he could still, Gannett was still you know, making making a slap out of Russia. Yeah. You know, the, you know, Broncos. We keep on being made examples of. We're gonna make an example, make an example out of Jamal James. Don't pay him that money. 
That's right. Dude. That's just another train wreck all the way around. Dude, when I saw that, everybody's like, Rick, you know, it wasn't his fault, and you should be more compassionate. I'm sorry. I'm out of of compassion for him. Like, no offense. I'm a nice guy. I always look look at the bright side of things. I have nothing to say about Jawan James, and best of luck to him. I wouldn't give him a dime. Four-year contract. We've seen him play in three games. He's a he's a multi-millionaire. He'll be fine. Yeah, and I mean he's going to be okay. Well, I mean, and he was working off-site, so like, if you're going to work out off-site, then you you're putting everything at risk. It's not Denver's fault for right. that. Yeah, it's like falling on your steps at home and twisting your ankle and going and try to go to work and get short term out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it works for John Wall just with. <laughs> I think John Wall just jumps down the stairs every season, but, you know, now he's perfectly fine. But, just, but Jawan James, he honestly does not want to play football. Like, I honestly feel he has no interest in playing football anymore. I think it's all mental for him. Probably. I mean, he got his money, so he's, like, even lazier now. So, yeah. um, so if it comes to, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, who, who would you guys like to see get in? Because I know Denver right now doesn't have a whole lot. We're getting better as time goes on, but we're still – Quite short in terms of our members of that particular thing. We haven't had any <clears throat> Hall of Fame people in the last couple of years. Definitely Vaughn. Vaughn's a definitely short file first ballot. Uh, How much longer do you think he's got? Maybe two. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, 34, 35. Yeah. Wow, I remember the draft for him. Yeah. About to welcome his first kid. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I hate. You know, I, I want to give him credit, and I actually got a chance to actually meet the guy at the Hall of Fame. Um, I want Rod Smith to get in, man. I like Rod I, Smith. That, 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 that's a hard one, but I think as being an undrafted player and coming in and the work he put in consistently every single year, yeah. being one of the top wide receivers, and just his chemistry with Elway. I'm just, and then even the quarterbacks came after Elway. I, I, I want to see him get there. Even when I talk in the Hall of Fame, he was even like he's so he was so immersed in it, and you could tell that he wants to be a part of it. And I just don't think he'll ever get that push or he ever get that. Hey, I saw an article and his name got brought up and I like he deserves it. the fact that he's undrafted. And yeah. The funny thing about Rod is, as great as he was, I still remember that game against Washington, that final catch he made. And that's like the one that stands out to me. Yeah, like, I, I, the dude is a staple of Broncos wide receivers. I mean, he love the guy. Yeah. Um, and, he, I, and I wish you know somebody would make a campaign for him to get him. Well, here's some other names they gave me. Uh, Lewis Wright. I think he's there. Dan Reeves, former coach. Rick Upchurch. Uh, I see Dan Reeves. I see uh, Dan Reeves. Upchurch is not it? Not in yet. Uh, Tom Nalen. Oh, wow. Carl Mecklenburg. He's named Yeah, that, that's a travesty that hasn't happened yet. And probably the worst one is Randy Gratishar. That's the one that... Yeah. Now, here's one I thought... Uh, Atwater hasn't been inducted yet, right? No, this no. year. This year. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I just read that uh, actually Dennis Smith is going to be presenting him with that, which I think I is very that. cool. I love that. Do you think Smith belongs? Ooh. I'll give you my reasons why and why not, but I'm just I'm, curious I, where you are with ooh, that. Oh, that's a tough. That's a tough <laughs> one. I mean, I can always say, yeah, I'd love to see somebody get that recognition, but uh, man, that's. I wouldn't want to be in that room to make that decision, yes or no. Right. That, that's a tough one because, I mean, you could put it on paper. There's other people in the Hall of Fame who has who had a less career. That's a, it, they had to really think about TD because of the whole like shortened game thing. I mean, he, 
STD only plays. But I argued comedy. forever that his stats were like mm. almost like a full career that he'd gotten. If you, if you notice this, and I hate to say this, and you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, NFL Network, but ESPN and whoever, once these players become analysts, they get that extra push for Hall of Fame. Uh huh. I mean, they, as soon as they become analysts, it's like. They're going to all things. They, like, they, they, they keep that face in front of the camera, so yeah. their name on They're always right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, because Smith's stats really don't measure up, again, when we talk about like whether or not he gets in stat-wise. Yeah. For some reason, I always think Smith was just a big part of that Broncos team, even with Atwater. But that tandem, dude, was just nasty. Yeah. And so like I keep saying to myself, how successful would have Steve been even without Smith there? Like there, there was like this tutelage thing going on, and I don't know. Like sometimes I think players should get in just basically off of leadership and how important what they were to those teams. Like we got smoked in some Super Bowls, but that wasn't necessarily their fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's tough. What are you doing? It's tough. Oh, okay. the, the fat one was walking down the steps. I could hear her. Uh, Come like here, baby. From, from a biased perspective. The whole 97, 98 team show on all of I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I, I can make a case for every single player. Yeah, I wonder, yeah. like, because um, Darian Gordon was pretty successful even in Carolina. So, yeah. I mean, when you talk about, like, special teams, guys like Metcalf and all of them, I wonder if he'll ever get in. Because yeah. he was huge. That whole, that whole team was just stacked. Yeah, when I saw Atwater at the whole thing <clears throat> two years ago, he was uh, talking to me, and then Ray Crockett showed up. And oh, I was, wow. I was just like, Yo, like the whole team, everybody showed up for Pat. Like, I mean, the whole 97, 98 team was there, like in some capacity. It was a travesty. It took that long for Pat. Yeah. yeah. Pat should have won it before Jerry Jones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry bought that one. Man. Rick's like shaking his like. Jerry <laughs> that one. Yeah. But the, oh, the ovation for Pat at the Hall of Fame, man, every, every single person, Bronco fan or not, you know, they never played for the Broncos. Every player there was all about honoring Pat at the Hall of Fame. It was the That's nicest sweet. gesture. Like, the fact that they were all signing my Pat jerseys, never played for the Broncos, but they were like, you know, this one's for Pat. And they were just like, I don't care. That's I didn't awesome. Play for y'all. Like, he's like, I want to sign your jersey. And it's just like, to see that reception, like, it showed you how much Pat meant to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was always considered a major figurehead in it. Like, that's yeah. the beautiful thing about it. And that was kind of cool because I think through you guys uh, we met Missy Bolin, who was really yeah. She nice. came through the meet the meetup. And she I know she's still pretty. Moved. She's still pretty active with you guys in the board. Yeah, yeah Missy is really nice. Uh, you know, I said she. I, I actually did an interview with her. I went to her house, met her whole family. They're cool. And then um, I had the honor of meeting the actual Bolins at the Hall of Fame, and that was just oh wow. That was breathtaking. Um, you know, to meet Beth uh, and, and uh, Brittany and then uh, meet, you know, Pat Bowen Jr. Like, it was just, and then meeting Joe Ellis. I, I was just like, I can't, they're just walking around. And walking <laughs> You're yeah. like, I know you. And it, <laughs> he's like, I know you. Yeah, him, yeah, her, yeah. Uh-huh. And I talked about the, the Baltimore chapter and what we're doing out here and all the fans. And they were just shocked that there's such a reception on the East Coast. I said, look, we have chapters up and down the East Coast. We've got the Washington chapter. we got the Baltimore chapter. we got the New York chapter. we got the Philly chapter. we got a chapter in Jacksonville. I said, Carolina. Carolina. I was like, we're just, the whole East Coast is all Broncos. Some of the greatest was, fans you ever meet. Yeah. I love, go, I love going to Broncos games out of town, man. Yeah. I, I'll go to a liquor store, get me a six-pack. I'll just walk through the parking lot. Eventually, somebody's going to stop me. 
and I'll just assimilate it to their to their tailgate. It happens every time, man. I love it. And that's crazy because I'll say this: I have more fun at Broncos away games than I do actually at Invesco or whatever it's called right now. Yeah. Um, I like I went to Denver first time. I had a ball. I almost died in the stadium because of the um, <laughs> elevation. <laughs> Drinking. I haven't been there in years. I can't imagine. I decided to drink. And, like, the first day in Denver was really, really bad. I tried to sleep on the floor at a hotel to try to lower the elevation a little bit. They say you got to stay drink. super hydrated. Yeah, drink a lot of water. So, I uh, went to Santa Fe a couple of years ago, and it was, like, it's way different. Yeah. So I, that Sunday, the game, I'm not good. I, I can breathe outside. I'm used to the elevation. Just... You know, you know, it's Bud Light, so I was like, I can take these Bud Lights oh, back. No. I'm fine. <laughs> Bud Lights, fine. Get to the stadium, 94 degrees, the sun blaring on me. People are stomping and yelling. All I'm is rainbows. I thought I was high. I just like the whole stadium just started moving, and I'm like, I said, you know what? If I happen to die in this stadium, it was worth it. You're like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I, I think I got hit with it worse the second time I went out there. I went out for the Chiefs game, Thursday night game, two years ago. Oh, the wow. was the quarterback, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it hit me. I think it hit me on the walk back to my Airbnb because <laughs> I had to walk out of the stadium, and then it was just a walk straight uphill. Yeah, for like I mean, that's about a, a mile maybe. Oh wow! And it was cold out, wind was blowing because it was like eight degrees on the day. Once the sun went down, it was like fifty-four degrees. Oh yeah! The wind was blowing. I'm out there and like. Uh, just a jersey with a little hoodie on under it and a drawfish shirt. So I'm cold. I'm drunk. <laughs> I want to get in the house, get something. Uh, and it, was, it just hit me. And I'm just walking the hill like. <gasps> <laughs> trying to, trying Where, where's to that out. air? I need the <laughs> air. That's usually what it is. Like you just, your lungs are just not Why at the no capacity. Right. How do you live here? There's no oxygen here. Like, I remember when we were. In Santa Fe, like my mom was not doing good walking around, and this is a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, like she just, she's like, I need to sit and take a break because I'm not doing. And I like went hiking and everything, and it's way different. Like it's the elevation. We keep trying to say we're going to make it out to Denver for a game, but every year something happens. Like I was the, out there for 18 years and never <laughs> made it to a game. Well, the one year where it was 2019 or 2018, we were planning on going. Um, it wasn't even like a great Bronco year, but it was the last game. Um, it was the um, Chargers. My grandfather died. So I'm like, so it's like every time we plan it, it's like, oh, yeah, something happens. Or I have to, like, I was traveling a lot. Or I have to go to work. And we actually, when I was still traveling, the um, preseason game at the Redskins, I was driving home from New York that day. And I get down here. And and I literally threw my luggage (laughs) into the living room. And we drove down to D.C. Because it was like, I guess, like 3 or 4 o'clock for me driving home. I'm like, so yeah, it's nice that I don't travel as much. But... Um, so now I feel like I'm not going to miss... Because I was... My very first job uh, sailing was the big uh, team thing with the cheerleaders and the miles. And and he's yeah. sending me all these pictures. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, you're missing all this great and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on a boat in the middle of the Pacific <laughs> yeah, Ocean. I, I respect the organization because to bring something of that capacity mm-hmm. to the East Coast. Right. Give the fans, give them that home feeling. Like, guess what? We're bringing the whole country to you for one day. 
I didn't see and I'm like, so just glad the that pictures, there were so many even people there. The Ravens fans were like being fun and respectful, oh, and yeah, everybody was cool. having a great time. Ravens fans are okay. Yeah. They're not. The complete, most most fans are okay. Yeah. They're not complete, complete assholes. It's people. the Philly fans, isn't Philly it? Philly fans are okay. <laughs> even even when we went to Philly and they blew us out that game, they hit them in the Super Bowl. That game. And, uh, so we get, we get to Philly. <laughs> that, game, that game. There's a jail in the Philly. That whole weekend, There's one in Baltimore, too. Oh, I didn't know that. That whole weekend, man. So we get to Philly. We leave the hotel. We're walking around to the bar to go have lunch. We walk past the police station. I guess it's a ship change. About 15, 20 cops outside. <laughs> they see all the Broncos get. Boom! I'm like, yes! That is what I want. I want that kind of attention here. Let's go. Her and I went to a... I've been to a few Ravens games, but they weren't even Bronco related because I just got. We free. just like to go to. But games. she, uh, we got tickets a few years ago to Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore. And How did we get those? Because I, I thought those know. are hot tickets. But so you had Big Ben, and I think you had Suggs, or maybe was it Dallas Thomas? I think was still there. But we were walking out after the game, and like just these Pittsburgh. Steelers and Ravens fans started fighting. That was insane. But it wasn't the funniest thing I've ever seen. I've actually been there. Remember when Aaron Brooks was coaching or quarterback in the Raiders? Yeah. They ended up in Baltimore, and I, I caught that game. I was like, I'm going to go watch the Raiders get their ass kicked. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so, I, you know, obviously the Ravens won, and it was great. I, get, well, I was an Aaron Brooks fan because he went to UVA, but uh, it was just fun watching him get their ass kicked. So I came out, and I remember seeing his Raider fan there because they had a few of them. And long hair dude, redneck dude. On the way out, dude, getting back on the little train to go back to where we were, dude was like busted up like he'd gotten his ass wow. beat. I said, he must have been talking some mad shit to get his ass Sounds said, like a Raiders I fan. said, Ravens yeah. fans can be very cordial, but if you're going to fuck with them, they're going to fuck you up. And I, 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 I've been to a Ravens Steelers game wearing a Steelers jersey. And I, like, I talk my shit to people. But I guess people, uh, you can talk about my reflection that I'm joking with you. Yeah. I'm talking shit to get a rise out of you, but I'm also talking shit just to just to fuck with you. I want to make you laugh when I'm talking yeah. shit. So I've, I've, I've talked to the still. I've talked, even in the Eagles game, they're all singing the Eagles song. I'm like, this song sucks. Every time they sung it, because uh, apparently they ran out of fireworks and they get, they, when they played us, yeah, they scored so many fucking touchdowns. It was definitely 52 3. I remember. Yeah. yeah, that was nasty. And we were there, and I was like, in. The sad part about that game was, so they put me on the picture for the Denver Broncos homepage. Oh no! Game, and we're down. The score is like, uh, it's like fourteen to three, and it has me still celebrating my picture. <laughs> yeah. And that picture was before the game started, so I was like an idiot. <laughs> the they should have got a picture of you going. Yeah, but the great thing about the Eagles game was, so I wore my Brian Dawkins uh, Broncos jersey, so. All the hate and they got mad respect. They, for they were Dolphins. like, "Okay, we can leave him alone." Yeah, <laughs> yeah Steve and Hillary. I was just like, "I think." See, when I go to Ravens games, even if it's not the Broncos, there, I still wear my Bronco gear. They're just like, "I mean, I always man." They're I, like, I, "The Broncos aren't playing here today." Like, nope. I'm coming fans, to enjoy football. I have some <laughs> random Broncos stuff too. Like, I'll just wear it. I have flip flops yeah. and sandals and boots and. I just wear it, you that, know. That Eagles game might be the second time. It's the first time I remember him in my head, Ramika James. Yeah, that Eagles game. He walked up, we're at a, I was at a tailgate with Matt Fanatic and a couple of his people. I see a big black dude with a stencil on yeah. <laughs> in a pickup truck. And I see Aww. the Broncos jersey. Yeah. Man. And he goes, Oh yeah, you know Rick, you're in the bubble chapter. I came up to a couple um yeah, watch game a couple weeks ago. I was like, okay, yeah. 
They end up chopping it up with him and his wife, and yeah. James is probably the greatest Bronco fan I've ever. He met. definitely was a huge fan. I have like you know I have never seen that type of energy, and he all the way to the end like he just. Always went hard, and he would walk around Baltimore with that humongous ass flag mm-hmm. and wave it around Baltimore like nobody cares. I was like, dude, somebody's going to approach you. They, they, I guess they did because of his stature. They were like, we don't want to mess with him. But right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's now. Yeah, so as he far as favorite nice Broncos, guy. I grew up a big LA fan, obviously. Yeah. Um, most impactful. That actually, him. I mean, I'd become a Bronco fan a year before he was drafted, but just out of a weird way. Either way. Our quarterback situation with Drew Locke, um, where you guys stand with all that? I, I want to see his development. I don't want us. I don't want us to trade him away, and he becomes like he becomes better than Jay Cutler was. Jay Cutler was a Pro Bowl in, in Chicago. He was always putting up points, putting up scores. He just never got that playoff win. I don't want to see Drew. I don't want to see us trade Drew Locke away, and he becomes what we think, what we thought he was. Right. And we miss and, out on and it. we miss out on him because we wanted three. We wanted a three year blowjob with Aaron Rodgers right. rather than sticking with him. Like I wanted to, I want. If we're going to keep him, develop him, get him right. Don't let don't trade him away on a whim for because Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay sixteen years and he got one Super Bowl mm-hmm. That that's where my mind is at. Are but, they really serious about oh the yeah. Rodgers thing? Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. really serious. Yeah. I keep thinking it's like a big Roger, joke. Rogers is like Rogers either trade me or I'm retiring. He is Man. not joking. All the media outlets are saying we're we're the number one landing spot. Yeah. Vegas has us as the favorite odds to get him right now. Rogers would not be in a Packers jersey this year. I, I, I know I, he's not coming back as a Packer, but I'm like, I'm more on board. I was more. I'm, I'm more on board with the Deshaun Watson trade I was earlier this year than I am with the Rogers trade because because the age difference. Yeah. With with uh, Watson, you're looking at least five to seven years of quarterback play. But Rodgers looking at two to three years. Yeah, there's pros and cons with that. My only con with Watson, I do really like him, um, but he doesn't have a very really good postseason record right now. Not all of it's his fault, but you do get longer time with him, which is good because he's still young. With Rodgers, it's probably a better chance of us getting to the Super Bowl, especially now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with you with Drew. Uh, I think that if we pass on a quarterback, which we did, which was a good move. Yes. Uh, you have to kind of see him at least for another year. And it, it's kind of the same weird situation with Tebow because I was ready to go into 2016 with Tebow. Um, yeah, that was... 16? No. Well, no, I was sorry. Uh, was it 13? 12, no, no, 12. 12. I would have been fine with that. But the man Manning was available and Denver was interested. It's like that, that was a nice man that, date. I mean, that was, I, I get that one because yeah, we we had struggle games with Tebow. We we had those. But struggles. we could have still just seen what he had. Like, we um, and I think that's where we are with Drew. Like, if if you can get Rogers, great. If you can get Watson, great. But if if we don't, let's just ride with Drew and see where we're at, and then we can reevaluate that later. Um, yeah, the thing with Drew. And, um, you know, I, I'm backing the kid. I, I want the kid to be great. And I'm, He's got I, the skills. He's yeah. exactly I'm, like Cutler. But it's He's like, got as the much skills. as I can kind of blame Drew for a lot of things that happened last year, there was a lot of things out of his control. Right. We should have won the Tennessee game. That wasn't his fault. Um, you know, the coach took the game out of his hands. Really, that's a win that we could have got. And I look at, even though Jerry Judy is an amazing player, he left Drew hanging. A couple games. Drops. Yeah. And then our offensive coordinator 
can't call, didn't didn't know how to call plays until the last four games of the season. Yeah, from what well, from what I understand is Shermer like basically dumbed down the playbook the last five games where Drew looked better. I said, why did you guys just do that from the beginning? Because, they, were, they were trying to force something, right? And then like um, first offensive play of last season was a tight end reverse. That should have told you everything you needed to know about the offense. <laughs> I sit there like. And I, mean, I think Mike Munchak is doing a great job. Um, my issue is, and this got to go back to the draft. Well, he improved bowls a lot. This got to go back to the draft with Menares. Um, um, mm-hmm. I want to see what they do with Lloyd Cushenberry because I saw he played every game. He had some great times. But I saw times where he got pancaked so bad as a center and set Drew up for a nasty hit. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it's like, I want to see if they maybe they can move him out and try Menares as center. I know... Um, Fangio said they're going to try to see how that works because now we have the right tackle situation. So, um, and I just think that the rollouts, you know, I hate to be one-dimensional, but give Drew an opportunity to move, man. They have him sitting in the pocket with the, you know, the line is relatively good, but it's relatively young as well. You got to be mobile, man. Like, I mean, Drew going to have to run. Like, that's the other thing with Drew. Go run for the first down. Stop doing that run and throw across your body. And it's a middle linebacker, right? They don't do that no more. Right. The first down's there. Take it, man. Yeah, hopefully his decision-making gets better. Um, yeah. He has some really god-awful interceptions last oh, year. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, hopefully also our running game is more consistent because I know when usually when we're running well, he does better. Uh, when it's not there, we almost fall right off the par. And it's not just him. It, that happened with Peyton, too. Like He has an orgy of weapons, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. He has a whole... You could, you could put... Sutton and Patrick are there for jump balls. And goal well, that's my and thing. I think he saw the ghost of Sutton last year. <laughs> I, mean, th- I mean, the last five games he played, you know, when Flacco hurt his neck or, right. or, or just decided he, he does not good at football anymore. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Sutton would make unbelievable catches. Drew didn't do much. Drew was like, no, I'm just going to throw it to the big guy down there. He's going to make an amazing play. Sutton making catches that you don't see regularly in the NFL that he was doing every single week. It was some Brandon Lloyd type stuff. The, the camera still followed the ball as if it got thrown out of the frame, and the ball beat. Yeah, it was. I mean, Drew was throwing bad balls, and this dude Sutton was making making the move and making the reaction on the fly to get the ball. And I'm like, that's probably my only other concern about the Rodgers trade. I think if they try to go that route, Sutton might be in there. I don't want to give up Sutton at all. Yeah, because that's just too rich. You know, you're like taking away weapons from the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know. Rodgers could probably make it work. He usually makes receivers better than they are, like Peyton and everyone else does. But if Drew is our guy, then he's going to need all those guys to be there. It's crazy. I mean, we literally have three wide receivers that can play number one position. Right. Hopefully, 49ers come through and beat us off of that tree. Nah, he ain't going to the NFC. They ain't going to do that. The NFC ain't going to do it. And they just got the quarterback, got Trey Lance, man. I mean, he can always go to the Raiders, but it won't, it won't, it won't affect us not because – We've always beat Rodgers every time, just about every time we play him. Super Bowl year, 77 yards of offense. I bet Mike McCarthy said, look, we just got our ass whooped. He's like, you can't say nothing about it. I got no, I got no excuse. 77 <laughs> yards of total offense. That Broncos team just teed off. I was like, this team's going to Super Bowl. On defense, undefeated. And I remember this, too. This That game, the Broncos were destined to lose. They were undefeated. Both, and, 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 both of them undefeated going yeah. and, and the Broncos are rated the sixth best best team in the NFL, and they took that to heart because there's only two. They were the last two undefeated teams, and the Broncos took that to heart. They was like, "How are we ranked sixth and we're undefeated?" 
I understand. Because like, the whole well, offense, the offense yeah. was very stagnant. And, uh, like Peyton was hit or miss. That was probably one of Peyton's uh, better games that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, we uh, we really trashed him pretty good in that yeah, game. I, I was like, okay, okay, guys, you, you guys made your claim. So, what do you think with the pandemic? If when we're going to be allowed to have uh, the Bronco meetups again? Well, a lot of people are talking just in general with opening back up, and hopefully in June. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, it was something we were thinking about last year too. Is maybe find a different location because because a lot of the gripes with the, with the barge is people want they want Bronco specials, and I've always told people in order for us to get specials. They, we need to have more people come out mm-hmm. so they can cater a menu to us. Yeah, yeah they got to be able to make some money. You right. know, they got to make it worth their time. Right. I think yeah. that's always been kind of the dilemma. Yeah, so it's like, it's. I look at it, it's like Ted Roof is giving us all the space in the world, and they give they throw out the red carpet. We get the projector, the TVs, and the catering service. But then you want deals too, and I'm like, right. look, so now... Now you want deals, so that means the location is probably going to have to change to get the deals that you want. Yeah, especially because we're right downtown at Tin Roof. Everything's going to be a little bit more expensive yeah, right. than like if we yeah. were at a smaller. Yeah, Tin Roof place. probably would be reluctant to do that because they get a lot of business being right where they are. Right, anyway. right where they are. Then they have, I think they have a tomato festival one week, a pickles festival. Oh God, that's right. We, and we had to like sneak in the back because right. the they're like, oh no, you have to pay to the come to the right. festival, so and we're like, no, we don't. That's why I was thinking like last season, no off season, I was thinking about probably going around trying to switch different things, and that got sidetracked because of the pandemic. So I'll probably hop back on that and look at the other places out. I was yeah, we we don't have to stay bars. like in the city. It could be right. anywhere. I'm looking at a couple sports bars. One one that really stands out to me that in my mind it's right on a uh, nursery road. Uh, I can't think of the name of the bar. I want to say the Glory Glory Days, the girl. I've heard of it. It's right there by the um, by Chick Fil A there. But it had I drove past one day and they had the same roll up doors like Tim Roof and like the whole inside was like open like in the outside. And it's a sports bar and it was doing a Ravens game. It didn't look as crowded. So that that's one that's one place to stick. My main my main thing is. We had one of the Ravens play. We don't want to be an overcrowded ball with Ravens. It's fans. true, and we're kind of lucky because of the time zone difference yeah, that we right. kind of like don't cross over to Ravens right. all the time. Yeah. And I wanted to get. I, I wanted. I don't want to necessarily want to be out of downtown, but I don't want to be. We had to pay for parking at Center Roof. Had to pay for parking at mm-hmm. That's why we started Ubering. We're like, uh, we're spending just as much money on parking as it would be yeah. to Uber down there, and then like finding a parking spot if you don't want to go into one of the the garages is like a pain in the ass so we're like uber oh yeah it's a lot of things that cross my mind and then the menu at Roof. I, I like the food there but sometimes i just want to veg out watch a football game eating chicken wings mm-hmm. right right, yeah, right. Yeah. Chicken wings, so. so your predictions on the season coming Ooh. <laughs> 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 well that's that's well i'm gonna go say with lock You still see a lot of growing pains. Oh, I, I, I hate to say this again because I always say this every year. On paper, on paper, this team should be a wild card team at least. On paper, this team should be in a conference championship. But I'm give I'm going with the lesser route. On paper, this team should be a wild card team, and with 17 games, they should at least win half. 
Right. I mean, they should at least win half, and I, I can give them half. No but five hundred no more. So you either you've got a winning record or a losing record now. But it's just like in our division, I'm like, I mean, Herbert's playing phenomenal. Derek Carr is going to get you at least eight nine games. You already know what Mahomes is going to do. I mean, me personally, I'm I'm going ten. Oh, I can't say 10 with Drew. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, you, you can because you still, you still got seven losses all day. So yeah, so I, I'm going to say 10 with Drew, 10 and 7 with Drew. I mean, sorry, 10, 10 and 6. 10 and 7, you're right. 17 games. Yeah, but there's no bye week? It, it's, still, it's only one bye week. Well, I mean, we'll fill out and probably on Wednesday, really. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's still 16 games then, right? So it's are they... 17 or 17 games with one bye, I think. Are they, yes, are they so not doing preseason? There's, oh, no, yeah, there's, only, there's only uh, three. three preseason games. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go 10 games for Drew, and we get a wild card. And I'm, my only wish this season, no matter what happens, is that I don't care if we have a losing season. I don't care. If we can beat the Chiefs one time yeah. this season. we got to split the division. I said, I just want one win. We have 11 losses to the Chiefs. <laughs> one win, please, one win. And I will... I will not say anything else. If Drew Locke throws four interceptions and anybody beats the Chiefs, it's a good season for me. I'm good. I'm good. Beat, split the division, beat the Ravens. That's that's my goal for the. We can go. We can go four and thirteen the rest of the way. <laughs> Give me split the split the division, beat the Ravens. That's all I care about. I think now that Drew will be in his second year with the offense, I'm kind of where you are. It's either going to be a ten and seven or nine eight season on paper, and that's if we stay healthy. Last year was really kind of abysmal with injuries, so yeah, it was. that's just something that we don't really think about and everything that was going on. But yeah, we were getting killed in injuries. I mean, I right. last year on paper, I'm like, I, I think we got the shaft all the time because like with everything with COVID, they were it felt like they were catering to other teams, and then something happens with the Broncos, Dude, they're they, like, you still have to play. They fucked us they so hard. You still have to play. They oh, fucked so us. Hard. Excuse me, we have to pull all the practice people, and that's what we're going to play with. Yeah, Dude, we were forced to play. to play the Saints with a guy. We were going to whoop Taysom Hill. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the, the Saints were going to get beat so bad that game. And let me tell you, I was okay with the ruling because I'm like, yo, we messed up. But I'm gonna tell you when I when my whole thought process changed. Once Goodell came out of his mouth with the reason why, I was like, nope, I blame the NFL for that. At first, I was like, hey, Drew and them messed up. Just, we gotta live with this. Right. Everybody needs to chill out. But once Goodell, he had this horrible reason why, and couldn't tell you why the Ravens got their got their stuff extended, and all the other teams. Yeah. But he was, he just wanted to make an example out of the Broncos. I was like, yeah, well, even even the Patriots game. Dude, the if we were still a playoff contender, that would never happen. Even the the Patriots game got pushed. What we played the Jets on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. We didn't play that Patriots. We didn't play the Patriots until seventeen week. days later. Right. I, I was sitting there, I was like, just beat Miami. I was like, we are going to beat Taysom Hill so bad. Our defense is right, as a Drew's running the offense pretty well. I said, I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that the Saints were going to lose in Denver. Like, I was so confident about that game. I was like, oh, this game's over. Taysom Hill is not going to beat the Broncos team in Denver with what we got right now. And then I was like, what? <laughs> even with injuries. Our, de- our defense still competed last year, even with injuries. Yeah. So that that was that Chiefs game that we held them in the first half to like what ten points tonight. Fangio's scheme work is plug and play, man. His yeah. scheme is flawless. I it doesn't matter who's out there. I mean, 
I mean, you have to have a little star power is helpful, but Fangio's scheme, his D-line scheme, just, I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, the, the possible talent that we have now in defense, it it should be a lot better. Yeah. Hopefully, especially in a running game, we still need to, like, shore that up. Nobody should nobody should be able to pass on us this season. And if any team has over 300 yards on us, that's a shame. And I, I think that's, I think Fangio's going to put out four or five, maybe even six DBs out there or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sertain's going on. Because uh, I'm sure he's doing that because of Mahomes. Like, and that's, uh, Kelsey and Waller are going to have Sertain on them. I, and, I guarantee it. And that's the funny thing. <laughs> Broncos fans all last week, oh, Drafting a cornerback not going to How are we going to stop Mahomes? We got to be able to you compete with Mahomes by and stop Mahomes by getting a defense that can actually stop mm-hmm. Mahomes. Yeah, don't get in a shootout. You don't want to get a shootout with Andy Reid. Andy Reid coach. I, I don't need Drew Locke trying to hit five touchdowns in the game to keep up on offense. Right. Mahomes. No, he. But you saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Right. No, you saw what happened. What week seventeen when we played him? Yeah. Week did we play them? And we we just we've actually it. played them tough. We played them uh, tough every time we play them. Defense time, always come. I mean, only time they got blown out was the game when we actually knocked Mahomes out and Chad Henney came in and just let us out. Yeah, Kelsey is the anti-drug for every time we play against the Chiefs. If we stop Kelsey, games over. Well, that's, tight ends have been our problem for yeah. years. Yeah. I'm like, this is why I've been crying for a freaking linebacker. I'm like, you need someone who can cover that guy. had nobody since D.J. Williams, man. It's been a long time. Yeah, him and Al Wilson. I'm like... Yeah. Where is it? We don't have a leader, and that's why Parsons was like so big on my list. I'm like, you need someone who's nasty. But I, I, I'm pretty happy with uh, what's his name, Brownie. Brownie, Brownie would be good. He's yeah, actually I'm a lot good. more versatile yeah, than I'm Parsons. Pretty is. happy. I'm, like I said, I have give I give Pat props. Like I would give him an A minus, but I have given B plus because all the criticism he got. But more and more, I think about it, he deserves the A because I'm like this. Like this year, I'm like I'm thinking about cause this is how good a team can be. But I'm like in years to come, like. This team is going to be stout. You're going to have reasonable contracts to deal with. You ain't going to worry about this stuff for the next three, four years. You can yeah. build your team up. And I'm just like, I, I got it. Patton's building us. He's building and us. I read just today, I, I, I wasn't sure where Browning was really supposed to be ranked or rated, but uh, he has a chip on his shoulder because he felt like he dropped too much. So, yeah. Great. So he's got, he wants to prove he, himself. Yeah. And if he can come out there and be a leader, which is what we need, like, Vaughn's great, but he isn't the kind of leader that yeah, you would Vaughn's see. Not a vocal leader. Right, and Champ but, wasn't but it, either. It's sad part. He sh- Vaughn should have been though. Like, that's the thing. Like, like you, you got the contract, you led the team to the Super Bowl. Peyton's gone. Like I, I fully expected Vaughn. You know, and then it turned out that Chris Harris would be vocal. Chris Harris was vocal in the wrong way. Yeah, and Tlaib you know, was vocal in the wrong way as well. Yeah, but was, I loved him. Yeah, <laughs> two chains. Yeah, Tlaib was the only reason we won the Super Bowl. I'm saying that right now. That that that. Face mask. <laughs> if, 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 if he didn't stop that touchdown, we would have. I honestly feel we would have lost the Super Bowl because momentum would have been out of our hands. Would have tried to play, play catch up. That, you know, that's funny about that Super Bowl. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm watching Tlaib knock that dude out of bounds. I'm like, that's gonna be a flag. That's gonna be a flag. And they don't throw a flag. I'm like, oh my god, they're letting him play. Right. Holy shit! No, he, they threw one flag, and everybody, like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, no, smart play. Yeah. Smart play. Trust me, all my Panthers friends, the guys at Tin Roof, and all my family was like. I can't believe you support a team that's so dirty. Tlaib's such a dirty player. And I'm like, he's been in our division with Tampa Bay for years. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Now you want to say something he's on our team. I was like, nah. I said, he saved at the Super Bowl. I said, you don't give up that touchdown. And what happened? We held him with three points. Dude, Ravens are notorious, d- dirty <laughs> defensive players. Yeah. I just, it's, and they're good. I'm not going to deny yeah. it. Like, I'm just like, that's just how those guys play. And yeah. you either get caught or you don't. But. Yeah, I was like really happy with that game. I forget who was their uh, Panthers middle linebacker that was so good. Keekly, Keekly. Yeah, 
him on his side. He's like, these guys are good, man. <laughs> We're beating their ass. We like, still, did we start that um, charades in that year? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, because left the following year. Okay, yeah, so we had Therese and T.J. Ward. Up I like Therese, too. I, I love T.J. Ward. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, dude, I love, I was, that, that was one of my main reasons for not liking Simmons. <laughs> he, 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 he got hostility towards Simmons because of Because I knew once we drafted Simmons, Ward was out of the door. Man, just like I was watching DJ in that Super Bowl, though, like, they just pick up the ball. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, no. then, he, he <laughs> then he falls to the ground, like, TJ, get up, you're not Eric Decker. Right. That's the thing with TJ. When he's healthy, man, he, he could play. And, I mean, his hit stick ability, man, I don't know if people play mad, but his stick, his hit, when he hits somebody. Dude, I was so happy when I got him. The year before, because yeah. he came from Cleveland, he was in the yeah. Pro Bowl. And, dude, you were not supposed to hit people. He, like, no, leveled people. <laughs> He was hitting people since the day one of his rookie. I'm trying to think who the hell they played. Because that's what I, that's what I saw the light of He, oh, who the hell did he play that kid? He lit somebody up coming across the middle. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, yeah I, I like to get wood. I like Only the person I see hit hard like that was uh, Kareem Jackson. Yeah, green boy. Green hit a little missile. Dude, boy. I don't know. Yeah. Warriors remind me so much of either Atwater or Lynch. I'm just like, wow. Like, Yeah, uh, you ain't catching the ball across the middle on Atwater, though, boy. I mean, if you do, you you, you were going to fill it. Well, what's it in the first Super Bowl when him and somebody else knocked each other out? He, yeah, he knocked Crockett out. He knocked Crockett out. Yeah, he hit the And there was one other was Hillard. He, Hillard and Crockett. Somehow, who was the receiver supposed to catch it for Green Bay? But he somehow managed to duck underneath it. <laughs> yeah. and all three of them converged and <laughs> just knocked I was everybody. like, yo, everybody everybody who got connected with that hit is stuck <laughs> for the game. And Shanahan's like, Crockett's out, Atwater's out, Hillard's out. What the hell's going on? I just, I just remember Atwater's feet in the air. I was yeah. like, he was, aiming, he was aiming to kill, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, uh, I miss those days, man. Maybe it's happening. You know, we've got to. It's still early. They're still working on the off season. Well, maybe I mean, this I think year, this is our year. We'll get know? better, obviously, but <laughs> if, if, if we get Rodgers, um, I honestly, honestly, feel in the bottom of my heart, full fledged, I would go hard. We're gonna Super Bowl. If we get Rodgers with this team and he gets himself integrated, I have there's no doubt in my mind we're in Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind. There yeah, because he's gonna have. Freaking talent there, and it's like I mean, I mean, on, on paper, with Rodgers, there's not a better team in the NFL. There's not from top to bottom. It's not a better team in the KC NFL. KC will still give us headaches, but I mean, yeah. that's going to be roster wise. I mean, maybe Tampa is probably close roster wise, but it's not a single team in the NFL from top to bottom with Rodgers on our team that can beat us for roster roster depth. There's not a single team. That's that's bar. We don't give them. We don't sell a farm to get them. Yeah, that's the only thing. Like, you got to be smart about it. Yeah. Got to find a way to like fleece them without losing everything in the process. I, I, feel, I feel bad for Tim Patrick, but I honestly would have played that card a lot sooner because that you have some leverage with Tim Patrick. As much as I want him to stay on the team, you're stable wide receivers is insane. Now you got to do self coming out the draft as well. I mean, just yeah. I think yeah. Tim Patrick and Sutton are the two. They're the only two that are over six feet. Yeah. I think they, they, they built Jerry Judy as 6'1", but Jerry Judy's a little more like 5'11". Yeah. And now, like, I, I didn't expect Hamler to get so much time last year. We had injuries. But now, I'm like, you got to incorporate Hamler into the offense. Like, I, I think maybe two, three years for Hamler actually gets into the offense. I kept thinking they were going to use him more in the slot, but, like, everyone's like, no, nah, he's like a downfield burner. But I'm like, you know, 
The kid, cool. could, the kid, kid got hands. He can play. He's man. fat. Yeah, I mean, just I don't know. Like he was another one coming off injuries and offseason. He had a hand right. But you, you kind of like you know you want to use him in a slot because you take advantage of that speed and yeah. I, I hope that he reminds me of what um, Isaiah McKenzie was supposed to be. Right. I mean, I think they can utilize him in so many different ways. I think they, I hope they get him in the screen game a lot more because mm-hmm. he's got the speed. Yeah. And he's short. And he just I mean, kid balled out. I did not expect him to have that much of an impact so early on. In some ways, he kind of outplayed Judy. He just did. oh, he definitely outplayed Judy. I mean, Judy had some amazing plays, and you know, only guy I remember Judy Judy taking over was the Jets game. Yeah, yeah. And then Hamlet Hamlet sticks out the Carolina game. No, the Carolina and the Chargers game. He caught that catch in the Chargers game that won his game. And then Carolina game, he just—I mean, Drew was like, "I'm just gonna throw the ball downfield." (laughs) (laughs) DJ Moore ain't out here. I'm just gonna keep on throwing the ball downfield, and then I was like, Hamlet was just there. I was like, "Damn!" I said, "Go ahead, Drew." Even have even now, Judy said it himself. When he catches the ball, he he's got he's got to remember he has to slow down and remember he's not in college anymore. Yeah. He don't have to go for the big play every time. Yeah. Get the positive. You gotta follow the ball, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that uh, DTs makes mistakes like that too. You know, he's even later like you you know you throw him like these long passes, you catch him like one handed or whatever. But then like you need a first down for ten yards, and he's he like he's thinking about running before he even catches it. And it's like I will say this: Drew has no problem hitting Judy on the numbers. No, yeah, the other wide receivers, Patrick, Allen, he overthrows them because he thinks they're tall. And he's T Sandler sometimes, but Judy, he sees Judy the whole route. And he would throw it to Judy, and he would hit him on the numbers. Well, didn't they say Judy, one of his pros, was he's a good route runner? Wasn't that one yeah, of his? He's one of the yeah, best, yeah. best route runners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he would match up his number one corners all season. Like, teams would not put the number one corner on Tim Patrick. That's why Tim Patrick has, has, such, a good, has such a good season, because they put the number ones on Judy because they were scared. And Patrick's like, okay, not a problem. I'm just going to eat. Yeah. Oh, Albert O. Albert O and Noel Fett at tight end. I don't think, I, they, they said Albert is uh, still recovering. Oh, man. Yeah, but oh, so Jake Butcher, we still are we still riding that train? I think they got rid of them. Thought maybe Butt's still there. I know we got rid of Hanneman and another. Well, we traded for a top a block inside that we needed. Yeah, Yeah. I just 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 team on offense, man. If you go down the list, we have a stable of tight ends, stable of wide receivers. We can just stay healthy. Just gotta stay healthy. A running back stable is nice. O line is really. How you gonna shuffle it and make it work without the right tackle now? Move Glasswell over, um, but make the offense work, man. I mean, Shermer should be drooling right now. Right. I mean. Well, guys, appreciate it for coming in. You yes. can hang around if you want. We still got food here. Okay. And uh, definitely appreciate the talk. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Next time, maybe we'll have to talk about entertainment stuff. Yeah. We'll get correct on Zack Snyder. Don't do that. We didn't come here for blood today. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even watched it yet. He watched it without me. I watched two hours of it before I was like, <sighs> I'll discuss after why though, because it's not actually that. It's not really Snyder's fault, but uh, it's not his fault. All right, well, let me cut this down, and then we'll chat some more. All right. So many, many, many thanks to Rick and Steve for stopping by and talking some foosball with us. Foosball, it's the devil's game. It's the devil's game, the devil's work. 
Uh, those guys are a lot of fun, especially uh, when we're out at Bronco games and tailgating and meetups and all that good stuff. So uh, I'm really happy they came in. It's been a while since we've seen them. It seems like forever. I mean, like with the pandemic and everything, which we talk about all the time because that's all you get to talk about. I feel like, yeah, we people are missing a lot of this uh, face-to-face interaction. And don't worry, don't go ratting us out. We're all fully vaccinated, so uh, (laughs) we're allowed to be hanging out in small groups indoors without being, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you've had both yours. I have my first one, and Rick said he's done. I think Steve's done, too. And the thing is, like, come June, when they start saying everybody should be getting out a little more and everyone should be getting their shots, like, it's really up to, like I, it's funny because I was watching online all these people I know were like yeah I just got my shot I'm like well, where are they getting their shots from and even you you're like well you just can go here here and here and finally we set it up and I got it done so it, like really it's just up to the people themselves to go out and do this well see now they actually have walk-in clinics like you don't even have to make an appointment um, before and what I was saying um, earlier I've always been considered an essential personnel so getting a shot was I was allowed to get a shot but just finding a shot you know this time last year was really hard so I um I just forego getting a shot until after um like around September when I got back and we I found out my mom was sick I started looking harder and then when they opened up the one uh place downtown the the actual raven stadium they released a bunch and i was able to get an appointment but you still had to sign up for it and you know which it wasn't that it was very very simple you didn't have to pay for parking you drove down you parked and they had you in and out very very quickly um rick was saying he drove to salisbury because the salisbury one was very very efficient as well um but now it's ever you can go to giant you can go to walgreens you can go to walmart and now they have walk-in like you literally don't even have to make an appointment and i think at this point now do you have to have insurance because they took all my insurance information they just took it probably so they can bill your insurance you're not going to get billed any so what about people who don't have it they'll just get it okay you can just mark no insurance what they're probably doing because it's you know the government there everybody is is allowed to have the shot you're you're it's free you're allowed to have the shot but when they can of course they're gonna you know get paid and the insurance companies have to pay for it regardless they have to pay for the shot so if you do have insurance they'll yeah, i can't manage it they would turn anybody away because this is a serious thing yeah they're so. not gonna turn anybody away for getting the shot and even like when i got my flu shot this year i literally went to walgreens and they gave me a shot. I had like a little voucher that was from my insurance that said, you get a flu shot, it's included with your insurance. And I, it's not like, I think that's what's gonna end up happening with, with COVID is every year somebody, you're just gonna need to get a booster to make sure you don't get it. And um, that's fine, you know? I, I don't care at all. I've had some- minus, we're all good. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> as long as, 
I've not, I, maybe I'm just lucky and I've never had a reaction to a, va a vaccine. I know some people, you know, their, their concern is interaction with medication that they take or they have in the past take, gotten just a flu shot or other vaccinations and they, it's really put them on their ass. And I've heard some people say that the COVID shot really did put them out for a couple of days. And me, I was like, ow, my arm hurts. And that was like about it. I was very fortunate, you know. Anyway. Well, we got much more coming we your way. More. We got more music. Uh, this next block got some uh, stuff from Geezer from Plastic Planet, which he did with Burton C. Bell. Oh, that's fun. Uh, Terror Nation provided by Vlad. Thank you very much, sir. Where's our buddy? New stuff from Lucifuge. Lucifuge to kick it all off from their new record, Infernal Power. If you remember, last year's The One Great Curse was my favorite album of the year from them. Wasn't quite as impressed with the new one like I was the last one, but it's still a very strong record. I really liked it a lot. Uh, this is called The Doors of Hell May Shake.
Getting ready to jump into our rock block. Okay. Got some brand new stuff from Leah, who I've been following for a while, so it's kind of cool. New music from her. Also, uh, new white collar sideshow uh, provided by Curtain Call Records. Uh, new mustache. Neko's pick of the week. Oh, yeah? Brand new Gorgira. Ooh. Uh, which is kind of interesting. A new record kind of uh both metal and rock so that's why it's kind of appearing in the rock block a little bit here but it's a cool track uh, i'm gonna kick it off oh i wanted to mention though uh so you know how they have like the top metal and rock uh, album charts like you know mainstream stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so gojiro obviously with their new record is number one in that category and of course evil who we played earlier in the show their album's in there oh that's cool but there's two surprises in the top ten. Oh, okay. Number eight was Nevermind by Nirvana. After all this time, it still sits is it, there. I was going to say, is it like getting a resurgence? But it's still there. That's wild. Uh, number ten is even more surprising. Pink Floyd's uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Well, you know, that's like my favorite Pink Floyd album. I'll, I'll listen to that not nonstop sometimes. Right. While watching The Wizard of Oz, because that's the only way well, to do it. Well, that's pretty impressive stuff. I mean, you wonder how, like some of these artists are still surviving well stuff like that when you're still getting that kind of attention well you and i have talked about this the pluses and minuses the love and the hate of the digital world and the internet so this just shows how a resurgence and you can keep the music alive really easily by having your music out there you know Maybe somebody is on their Spotify and they're like, I want to listen to things that sound like XYZ and boom, Nirvana pops up. They've never heard of Nirvana. Believe it or not, there are people who've never listened to Nirvana. They might know who Kurt Cobain is just because of the death, the huh? death and it, the, the conspiracy and it was just a really big deal in the 90s. But they're like, oh crap, I like Nirvana. And then... That's a. I think that's a lot of what's what's kind of happening is people are what Spotify does, and I I really don't use Spotify much. I was using it when I was teaching dance because there's like a a Disney, you know, you can put little and they'll play Disney songs. And when I had the little kids, I would teach. I'd turn on the Disney Spotify and play it, uh... play it for them. But a lot of people like Spotify is a big deal. A lot of people. They have all these different Spotify playlists, and then Spotify starts um, suggest suggesting things to you. I was telling you when I was um, in Hawaii, I was driving around with two guys that were strangers, and they were going to abduct me. No, <laughs> 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 they're two of my guy uh, coworkers, and I did not realize that they liked as much heavy metal as they did and I had never worked on a ship with them before right. so <clears throat> when we work we always listen to music but we're in the car and he had his Spotify playlist set and I guess he set it to Volbeat and I was like oh do you have any more Volbeat? He's like oh well I have it on Spotify so it was like picking up groups and other music that kind of like has a Volbeat vibe and then it was really cool while we're working, like, we would all listen to different rock and heavy metal, and I was like, this is good, got a bunch of heavy metal people! Right. And I told you, on my very, very first job, my supervisor, Cyrus, 
really, really into Megadeth, and we were listening to, like, non-stop Megadeth while we... And it's... I honestly... The, the type of work it was is you need some, like, pumping music to get you going, because it's, like, we're timed. You know, every second we're sitting still, we're losing money, so we gotta get this shit done. It has to be efficient, and sometimes it's a lot of hard work. We're picking up heavy pieces, and we're like, oh! So when you got, like, Symphony of Destruction playing in the background, you're like, so you get yourself all pumped up, like, it's time, and I miss those days. <laughs> All right, well, let's so let's off, get in the rock block. Yeah, let's kick off our uh, first song. It's provided by Stampede Press, who I talked about as one of our newer uh, promotional. That is awesome. Sites. I'm so happy we have some new promotion sites. And the band is called Internal Conflict, and this is called Bleed the Sky.
mind ahead He opens his mind, feels affliction The body war torn, blood is shed Soul opened up to depression Rose-colored glasses of the dead He opens his eyes, sees addiction The loss of the life he has led
Okay, DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and Keiju related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace. Stuff by a mustache there with contagious. What? Contagious. <laughs> what? 
is a song that um are you sure it's a song it's a song <laughs> we're talking about my pick of the week if you didn't know but my mom really likes this song when it came out in what early 2000s i guess and I like it too, but you know, just because I, I think about my mom a lot, just with everything she's uh, dealing with, and I've been with her, dealing with with her too. Um, it's just it's it's pretty, and it's something a little bit different that uh, I don't know. I just don't I don't see the Prince of Fucking Darkness singing this song, and I. Uh, well, I see him singing this more than what he's saying on the last record like the last record to me Ozzy's all full in with like selling out to the mainstream and you know doing songs with Post Malone and all these new ones and I'm sure Sharon had a big hand in that telling to stay relevant and do all this stuff but nevertheless uh, back then with this song you know he was still kind of doing his own thing and choosing what he wanted to sing but it was during the height of like the Osborne mm -hmm. TV show and all that stuff so and um, Ozfest, and you know Ozfest really, really like put us uh, recharged his his career. I feel, and what I, I my mom has always been a big Ozzy fan since the seventies, I guess, when Black Sabbath started. And I um, one thing that she actually commented on this song was it was very uh, uh like. John Lennon, like, imagine. It, yeah, it has a very, like, there's, like, it reminds me a lot of their song Changes, you know. Mm hmm So I, I can kind of see that, why she would think that. So, for this week, I picked Ozzy Osbourne's song Dreamer, um, just because it's, it gives you the feels, and it, you know, it's one of my mom's songs that she really enjoys by Ozzy. Yeah, she'll never listen to our shows, but... <laughs> we'll just tell her. We'll, we'll give her a shout-out, Mommy. Shout-out to Mom. Shout-out to Mommy. So, as she said, here's Ozzy Osbourne, Dreamer. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's pick of the week. Stop it. 
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Gorgera, brand new stuff called The Trails. It was great. Very uh, different than what they used to do, that's for sure, but uh, pretty cool nevertheless. So we had a chance to check out a doc uh, the last couple days. It Uh, was a docu-series. Yeah, docu-series about a certain serial killer, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. And uh, it also talks about a gentleman named Maury Terry... So, the name of the doc is Sons of Sam. And, um, I guess basically, Maury is not under the impression that Berkowitz acted alone. And that's, that's kind of how this all starts. He starts, he's an investigative journalist. Yeah, he's been very obsessed, uh, up until his death in 2015, I think. Uh, was very obsessed with the idea that there was more than just one person responsible for the shootings. And to be honest, he brings up some interesting pieces of evidence that could lend to that uh, line of questioning, um, including an interview he did with Berkowitz years later that, you know... He did, too. Yeah, and Berkowitz basically admitted that there were other people involved now there's an article on Screen Rant that says that, you know, they kind of say that Terry is kind of glossing over Berkowitz's past and that they're not really sure if they really believe there was more than one person involved. Um, the funny thing about the article, though, is it it challenges the idea because they said he glossed over Berkowitz's past as a kid and his how he was adopted and that he initially was told that his birth mother had died uh, during childbirth and then he found out years later she was still alive so they try to use his past as reasons to why he would shot people and became involved with the occult but to me personally that doesn't really dissuade me from Terry's findings like to me uh, that would only enforce the idea that at the time that Berkowitz became like a young man and in his 20s and was playing around with drugs it would kind of makes sense that he would actually seek out people who were involved in it called if he felt like that was where he was a sense of belonging at that time um but terry had written a book called the ultimate evil in 1989 and he gathered all his evidence that he had that he thought you know he'd researched and talked to witnesses and you know one of the problems that a lot of people had was at the time before Berkowitz was apprehended uh, there are many descriptions of who the shooters was. There was nothing that ever was consistent with that. Yeah, all the drawings look different, and um, some people would say, oh, I saw this vehicle, or I saw a- another vehicle. Nothing seemed to, it seemed to lack consistency, like you said. And then they, you know, Terry found out that there was a gentleman who lived next door to Berkowitz, who uh, last name was Carr. And, and the father's name was Sam. Right, and there's like these other weird, you know, you could say coincidences, you could say that uh, maybe they're just searching for things, but as you go along in this docuseries, you start to learn that some of it's making sense. Like, some of it really does make sense. And then we saw at the end, 
uh, the security guard who once was theorized by Terry to be involved in some way uh, was actually being questioned by uh, police. How, how soon was that? What, what year was that 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 happened at the end there? Because it was real recent. It was. It was like 2018, maybe? It, yeah. yeah. It was very, very recent, and then and he ended up killing himself. Yeah, the guy was saying, yeah, let me get dressed, and the cops were like, hey, you know, we got to come in and talk, and the guy eventually shot himself. Like, They're like, we see a gun, and then he shot himself. Like Right, and so it, it's just very strange. And this was, this was literally police uh, body footage. It wasn't, like, part yeah. of the documentary. No, it wasn't. It was, like, it was, real footage. It was the police's body footage for this man, and they, um, I guess they got that tip, went to investigate, and when the police came, he panicked, and... Yeah, what it was is the security guard's DNA was matched to a woman who was murdered inside a church, and Terry, before that, had theorized that in order to get certain people into certain areas, they had to have security. And the security guard was one of the people that had access to all that. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, years later, when we talked about it, the DNA came up under, because that's with, you know, science and technology now. Yeah, DNA was, um, you know, it, it's still, we, we see, we watch CSI, we watch Law & Order, we watch all these things now, and we think, DNA evidence, DNA evidence, but... DNA evidence is a fairly new thing. Back in the day, like, with when you would collect blood samples and hair samples or whatever, there, was, there wasn't DNA imaging the way there is now. They'd look at the blood and they'd be like, okay, we're going to, if it's type A and you're, you're type A, you, you know, that, that's kind of how they did it. It's very recent in the last maybe 20 years, I think, that DNA evidence. I mean, it was in the 90s. It started getting momentum, and, but it was very expensive and not as, as available to everyone. And now that DNA evidence, I mean, look, look at how you can just do an ancestry or whatever at home. You swab your cheek, you send it in, and they can figure things out about yourself. And it's relatively inexpensive, like $100. Nowadays, we think, oh, we've got the evidence, we've got this, we've got that. Back then, you, you really had to start putting things together kind of like a puzzle. And, and that's how Mari Terry just really, really went off the rails. He was obsessed with the whole um, Son of Sam, David Yeah, he Berkowitz. was the only one that was really questioning the multi-gun theory like once Berkowitz was arrested like that was it the cops just figured they had their man they didn't want to look mm, they, at they just else. wanted it to go away and I think and there was you know obviously the idea that you know the mayor was running for re-election so he wanted to get it closed he wanted to utilize that as because good people, public PR people were terrified they just did not want to go women out. were cutting their hair short they were dying yeah. at blonde that's they how were... crazy it was um some other points of view in this is, like we mentioned, the Carr, John and Michael Carr brothers who were friends of Berkowitz growing up, uh, they ended up dead later on. and They moved to... Uh, North Dakota. Okay. And, but I think Michael might have been killed elsewhere back, back in New York or something. But John had gone out to North Dakota, was murdered. They didn't have any suspects for that. So Terry was theorizing that some of this was to keep people quiet. Mm -hmm. uh, Berkowitz was already in jail. He, for a while, he wasn't talking to anybody. He just he didn't want to say certain specifics. 
And he still, he never has really come out. He's said things and people have asked for for him to name names. And he's like, I'm not naming names. And he never has. And he's doing that mainly because he also has family that are still on the outside. Like his parents who, even though they were the adopted parents who were upset that he did the things that he did. But yet he's still protecting them because he knows that, or at least he believes Whoever has been working with them is going to probably kill them if he says that. And I think that's one of his things, too, is like, you know, if if this theory is correct and there are, a, it is a cult, like they've been trying to portray it, and there is someone who is in the hierarchy, he is afraid of somebody, or he is just literally a psychopath and he's just toying with the police and, like, I'm not saying anything. So it's, it's kind of like you look at both of those things. Yeah, there's pros and cons. Like, uh, we, as you watch this, you see that where Terry's interviewing Berkowitz, he's kind of leading him into certain things, and you're kind of like, well, yeah, if you're going to interview, let Berkowitz answer. Don't say, well, this happened, and then did it happen like this, and then Berkowitz is probably just going to run with it. Yeah, sure, it happened like that. Um, yeah, he was very leading in, in his interviews, and I, I think that kind of... It's also really bad timing, honestly, mm -hmm. because this happened in the early 70s, and Mari Terry has, you know, he continued his investigation up until his death, literally, and he was talking about it. One of his close friends said he was in the hospital with congestive heart failure, and the one of the last things that he said on his deathbed was about David Berkowitz. Um, but in the 80s, there was this huge satanic panic, like, you know, the cult is coming, the devil is taking your children. And it was just bad timing, because when you start talking about a cult, and then all of these phonies are exposed, where it's like, oh, there really wasn't a cult, and blah, 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 but then... You know, Mari's like, but there really was. Look, here, look at these devil signs and stuff. It was very hard for people after the satanic panic was, like, exposed. Remember we were watching a um, documentary about this guy who was wrongfully accused of um, being a pedophile. Mm -hmm. And it was all over the satanic panic thing, like, oh, this guy, Satan told me that this guy did this. And it turned out to be completely false. There was no evidence. But, like, this guy got penned on being a pedophile all because there was a satanic cult, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes, that was happening at his house. And he was luring... None of this was true, but it so damaged his... um Reputation. reputation that even though after they realized it was all bullshit and people were recanting their stories he was like i still can't get jobs it is still affecting me to this day that they everybody just remembers that yeah it's the drawback to when you're judging before someone's actually been found guilty of anything especially via public and media and uh and that's the thing like you said you, know, you brought up the satanic panic like Terry believed that there was also ties between Berkowitz, the cars, and also Charlie Manson. So, with all that in play, like, you got to say... It was like some kind of offshoot of Scientology. Right, all of it was. Like, even Manson was offshoot of that. So That's what they're saying. It was like, they they were... It was called... Oh, fuck, I forgot. Well, they, the last one was called The Children. Then they had The Process. Yes, thank you, thank you. So, there was different factions or different types of groups that have splintered off of the Scientology stuff. 
eventually coming down to what was called the children. This is the one apparently that involved Berkowitz and the cars. And, you know, just they were supposedly sacrificing German shepherd dogs. And that was the odd thing. It was specifically German. They kept saying German shepherd dogs. They, and I'm like, I don't understand why German, like, it wasn't like we're sacrificing animals. It was German shepherd dogs. And I couldn't tell you why that was. I mean, I don't know if that's part of their quote unquote cult. It was just a lot of information and a lot of sensationalism over these four one-hour episodes. And maybe if I, I read the book, I would kind of... Because I, I feel like sometimes when you read a non-fiction book, you, you kind of have to read the book and do your own research. And like right now, I, I've been reading this book forever and I have not finished it yet because it's about some of my favorite female singers, um, Carol King, Joni Mitchell, and um, Carly Simon. And I feel like when you read nonfiction, you always end up like picking up your computer and starting to look things up. So now that I've got this little bit of a preview through the Netflix docu-series, I might want to pick up that book that Mari Terry read and read it and then you know how I am when I read nonfiction. I read and I'm on my computer, like looking things up because it's so fascinating. This is real life. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's why it kind of like when I read nonfiction, I am so immersed into it that I'm, I feel like I'm teaching myself at the same time while I'm reading. And we've seen documentaries that we're like, yes, we understand this is a documentary and yes, it is made by a person who is pre presenting it as nonfiction, but every documentary has a slant even if it if you don't mean to you're presenting true evidence but that's like how the news is you know you're you're presenting the same news but you can hit it from different angles and i i really would like to read something else about this you know supposed multiple sons of sam uh, i find the theory fascinating and i feel like yeah, it, it's it really consumed this guy's life like yeah. it killed him yeah, it makes you wonder, like, you know, it could be all bullshit, but at the same time, he did make certain points and pieces of evidence that obviously supported his argument, which makes it very fascinating. Well, just like you said, the mayor just wanted it to look like an open and shut, we got the guy, it looks good for public, you know, everything is A-OK -okay now, I'm up for re-election, so yeah, look at me, we caught the son of Sam. They were saying before, you know... This is the dark, gritty times of New York where they were cutting the 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 police officers and they were cutting the the firefighters like their hours, their their presence and then when this all kind of happened, everybody was like all hands on deck and it, it was kinda like part of the I don't wanna say rejuvenation because this was all the way back in the seventies, but I feel like this was one of the first kickoffs of kind of quote-unquote cleaning up New York in a way. Um, and I, I'm not saying that in like any kind of negative connotation, but New York, when I say I'm when I say cleaning up, I mean like literally cleaning up. We were looking at this old footage of New York, and it was just trash everywhere and graffiti. And I've been to New York many times in recent years, and it's just like it's actually very nice. So. I, I think that this case was so 
impactful that everyone who was kind of in the know, like the, um, the attorney general, everybody wanted it just to go away and they wanted it to look like a win. Yeah, because initially they were all under a lot of pressure to get the case solved. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it was going on for months. And Years. So, yeah, so the minute they caught him, they was like, they just want to shut this down and like not even think about it anymore. But Terry was really so convinced that there just couldn't be one person behind it all that. He, he was even writing letters to Berkowitz in jail. And Berkowitz respond. the one that I found and they kept like highlighting that was super interesting was... He was saying to uh, Maury, they will never believe the truth, basically. That's what Berkowitz wrote to Maury Terry, and I think that was one of his earlier letters, so it kind of really fueled his ambition to keep keep researching and pushing and pushing. It's just so, it's so fascinating. I... I am not obsessed with serial killers in, I guess, in a negative way, but I, for me, it's more like a, um, these things actually have happened. So I like to understand and wrap my head around, like, I, I don't ever feel like I need to go out and murder a bunch of people. Like, I'm just a normal person. I'm not going to go to the grocery store and just start stabbing people, but. Oh, I think that's always been our humans in general we try to understand things like this because it's like like what would make you do that some some people have done some horrendous things and you just say how can you as a human being do that to another human being like it's one thing to you know consider someone being killed like in the in the act of self-defense or, or just maybe there's an it. accident maybe you have a horrible act ac- a car accident or something like that well, but... i'm just talking like just an, you get in a fight and he yes, just gets yes, out of hand true. but you're when you're seeking out to just shoot people and then walk away like there's just something else there that you just can't really put your mind around it and say what the hell what, what would possess anyone to do that and there's no real answer that's that's why it makes it a little confusing for people in general who we're all just out here trying to you know live our life raise our our families and you know go to work and whatever but to know that there's actually people who their only goal in life is to go Destroy. out and be dest- destructive and there's no answer behind it or as neko puts it like to watch the world burn they like to watch the world burn and i i honestly for me what i get out of these docuseries and we we watch lots of these documentaries on these crazy crazy serial killers it's just because i cannot wrap my i have no desire to to murder somebody so I want to try and understand or maybe even empathize and try to figure out what would what would drive a person to to that like cliff to make them go over the edge. And it's it's I still I have no idea. And I I mean I find human behavior fascinating honestly because I mean I'm not saying that Anubis and I are all rainbows and love and, oh, peace, feed, you know, feed the world. Oh, we, we're, we're far from that. Recycled. And you know what I use recycling for? Another trash pickup, literally. <laughs> but I just, for me, an average person like myself or Anubis 
we're we're not the type of person who's just gonna be like, let's get our gun out and shoot someone today. That'll be fun. I I can't wrap my head around it, and I know I I'm just rambling at this point, but this is this is why I watch it because in my heart. I cannot comprehend how someone could just be so cold-blooded to walk and and basically hunt a person down for no reason. And Nevertheless, that is, that, that's it is it. a very interesting It is doc. very interesting. Yeah. So we highly recommend it. As Joe Bob would say, four stars. Four stars. <laughs> we'll even go up to five. Five. All right, kick it off our next block. We have some new stuff from Vreed. From West Northwest or something like that. What's the album called? Damn it, I keep forgetting. You just you just opened it too. Wild Northwest. That's I, what I'm I. I kind of like that. Wild North. It's the Wild Northwest, bitches. Right. <laughs> so here they are, Shadows of Aurora, and we'll be back.
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. And we're back with the Retro DVD Movie Vault. So for me, this week, it was kind of a, um, it was kind of fun because I've never seen this Retro DVD movie, which is Full Eclipse. Yeah, I was uh, initially going to go with a different movie. I was going to go comedy, but then I got this movie in because I... It, it took a while to get in, too, didn't it? It took yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah, so it came in. I said, you know what? Maybe we'll go ahead and just play Because I haven't seen it since, like, the early 90s when it came out. But I remember liking it a, real, a lot. And so Neko had never seen it. And I said, well, this would be a good one to play with. And, and I watched it and really enjoyed it. Like, I'm a big 90s movie fan and maybe it's just because of nostalgia and I, I said that to DJ Anubis I'm like this is a 90s movie I can tell just like the, the outfits the, feel. the feelings and I uh I was like locked in watching the movie and it, it is a really fun movie too so don't get me wrong it's not just because it was 90s I was locked in it was a great great movie so I, I mean Clearly, there's going to be spoilers, but this is from what '95. So if you 93. haven't, '93. Okay, so if you haven't seen it, that's your your own fault. But uh, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, there's a couple actors, three in general, that were pretty big. Even the fourth one that I'm going to mention had a pretty big role. And you had uh, Mario Van Peebles, who had done Jaws Revenge. He had done uh, Mean Guns with Christopher Lambert. Mm -hmm. And of course, Full Eclipse and uh, Posse. He was all parties movies during that time frame. And then he had Bruce Payne, who had done Passenger Fifty Seven. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he'd done um, Warlock Three, which, ironically, one of the other co-stars, Paula Marshall, had done Warlock Two. We talked about that when we did the Warlock versus mm -hmm, Wishmaster mm -hmm. episode with Samurai and him. Uh, then you had Patsy Kensett, who had her biggest role at that before that had been with opposite Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon Two. So you had like a lot of these familiar names in this in this basically a B-rated movie. I think this was a direct-to-video movie, I believe. Also, I don't think it even went in theaters. 
Um, but the premise is uh, Mario Van Peoples is a, a cop who has a partner and they're working together. Like, it just gets right into it. They're working together. Uh, they come across uh, a, a nightclub that's under attack by some thugs with some automatic weapons and whatnot. And Mario Van Peoples is kind of like this go-getter. You know, he's the typical... He's like that that passionate cop. Right, he's like, like he, yeah, boom. He, he he just thinks he's invincible. He thinks, hey, we can handle this. It's just you and I. But his partner, who is in the process of supposedly getting married, you know, he's a little bit more hesitant about where he wants to go. He's, I think he was planning on quitting the force. Yeah, that was um, a precursor to what yeah. would happen. And then, uh, so they get to the nightclub, and of course. You know, there's like people dead. There's like a hostage situation, so they're climbing into the top vents, and I think they were meant to time it together. But then the partner makes a little bit too much noise, which I don't know how the thugs heard anything. Overall, that music, right? Uh, but they heard something, and then they, sh- you know, shot out the the music and the amps, and then they shot up a, the event that they thought they heard the noise, which ended up hitting their partner, his partner. Mm-hmm. And Mario, of course, jumps down through the vent uh, shaft and then, like, shoots and kills Magically <laughs> does not get shot, has both guns ablazing, and only hits the bad guys and none of the hostages. It was right. amazing. And it was very, the way that Mario was jumping around, kind of reminiscent of the movie Hard Boiled, and, you know, I think that's John Woo there, uh, with that kind of cinematic uh, action, whatever. Um, so, okay, so his partner's really hurt probably in a coma at this point or, or close to it he's on death's bed really so they get him in the hospital uh van peoples is feeling like shit because you know he's the one who made the call to go in there um then you see like a moment where uh, a police officer walks in where his partner is and shoots something into his iv uh stream and then walks out and we don't know exactly what that's all about so, Van Peebles, of course, having to talk to this guy's fiance to try to console her. And then, of course, he's having marital issues with his wife where he's just a lot different. He's angry all the time. Yeah, it's like it's like the typical cop and wife. It's like, yeah, I just don't you understand what I see every day. And she's like, you need to talk to me. It was, it was like a total cliche, like, psychiatrist visit. It was right. really funny. So, uh... Then shortly after, they kind of get ready to and again, like, you know, he's in the locker room, and then all of a sudden his partner's there, standing, he's well-dressed. And he's, he's like, hey, energetic. Dude, you were, like, like yeah, and dead. Mario's like, dude, you were, like, on death's bed. How the hell is this happening? And he's like, dude, I don't know. It's a wonder drugs for the doctors. I don't know. I'm feeling great. So then they go out on another uh, deal, and then they're chasing down some drive-by shooters. And this is where we see the partner kind of like just jumping over fences and it was jumping on insane. top of cars, high flying and growling. And we're like, wow, this is this is crazy. Now, before we even get to this, uh, when the partner's in the hospital, Neko made a point to point out to me that she had figured it out already. Yeah, I figured it all out. <laughs> She's like, let me guess. Mario's partner dies. He uh, somehow gets bitten by a werewolf and then he just starts killing bad people. And I'm like... Well, you would think it leads to that, but <laughs> surprisingly, it takes a really interesting turn. So, again, as Mario's partner's chasing down these guys, he actually jumps on the back of a motorcycle, one of the guys trying to escape, and runs him right into a wall. 
that explodes. And Mario watches as his partner basically walks out of this fire like, yeah, I think I need a light cigarette. You know, I feel pretty good. And he had gotten shot like three times by the guy on the bike. So it's like, he, you know, Mario's just trying to put it all together. Like, how the fuck is this happening? So uh, then Mario has a birthday. It's his, his character's birthday. So the police force that he's friends with and everybody are having a party at the local pub that they hang out at and and at this point we learned that his partner is like understanding that he something's wrong with him he just knows that something's not right so he walks into the pub and you know he thanks mario for all the help and whatnot and then shoots himself in the head killing himself with a silver bullet mind you mm-hmm. so Mario is, like, just at a loss. Like, you know, first he thought he lost his partner, then he got his partner back, and now he's, again, dealing with the loss of his partner, and his wife is still... She went away to her mother, so he's got... Everything's falling apart for this guy at this stage. Uh, he then is getting requested by a gentleman named Adam Guru, who is, like... I guess he's some sort of... He's, police. like, high up. He's, he's like, a captain or something. Psychiatrist he's very type, yeah. No, but he's, he's in the police force. force. right. So he wants to talk to Mario's character, and I forget what his character's name was. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, Max Dyer, that's his name, his character's name. So Bruce Payne's character, Adam uh, Guru, which I was telling Neko, when I play Mortal Kombat, I play around with the variation names of the characters that I play a lot. Mm-hmm. One of the characters is Nightwolf. So, uh,. The name Guru, which I use for Rougarou for Nightwolf, uh, references a legendary werewolf in Native American culture. So, so that's kind of like a little... Uh... Yeah, I didn't pick up on that when I first saw the movie because I didn't really know what Guru would even meant at that point. So when we watched it again the other night and picked up on the last name, I'm like, holy shit, they actually made a reference to a werewolf. That, that's pretty fucking amazing. Um, I know I kind of gave away a lot there with that. But, Sorry. Uh, but it does get more interesting because Adam Guru is telling Max, you know, look, you know, we meet up once a week. We have some other cops that have dealt with similar issues. And we meet up to talk about things and do other stuff. So I think he should stop by. And eventually, I think at first he wasn't going to worry about it. Then when his partner killed himself, he went ahead and, like, decided to show up. And uh, this is where we meet uh, Patsy Kenseth's character, uh, a couple of guys, and then Paula Marshall's character. And so they're all cops, former cops or whatever, and they're all, like, dealt with certain things and trials and tribulations in their young lives and uh, lost loved ones or whatever. And But we quickly learned that they also are using a particular serum or drug uh, when they, they actually go out together as a unit and take down bad guys and this is like their secret unit thing that they do now at, f- at first you think they're just like higher drugs yeah whatever. like it, it's it's just like yeah they're they're just they're juicing or <laughs> right <laughs> and basically yeah so they uh they take max out on one of their runs and he, max is just observing at this point he's not even involved so they you know they got their gear on and they shoot up these little syringe shot thingies and then they dive in the water across to where this big party, it looks like the mafia or some shit is, gun runners. 
and all of a sudden shit just breaks out like they're killing people and you know of course there's fire back from the bad guys but they're just not having any effect and as Max is looking through the binoculars night vision vision uh, stuff he's seeing that like they're, they got like weird claws and they're still in humanoid form but they're not quite right you can tell there's something else going on there he just doesn't know what and so he tried to report to his own head of captain or whatever and the captain's like you just you know you got invited to stay with this guy under his it's yeah he, he, it's a good career move <laughs> right he's like you don't want to you don't want to piss this guy off just stick with it and see what goes and that was the end of that discussion um so anyway uh eventually max does try it and he, he actually gets kind of duped into it because uh patsy kensett's character is the one that's supposed to convince him to join the pack, as they call it. And so she, they have sex, and then of course uh, <laughs> he's still not into the whole drug thing. So he's like ready to walk out after sex, and she, like just out of nowhere, picks up a gun, and says "I'm sorry," and shoots him, and then shoots him up with the serum, and all of a sudden he's healing, and he doesn't even know what to make of. It. He's like, "Wow, okay, this is interesting." So then they go out, and I think they take down a local drug dealer or some shit like that, and it was a lot of fun. He liked it. It was like the high he needed. But along the way, he's like still concerned about <clears throat> Adam Guru, how it became that way, what are they taking. And at one point, he's visited in uh, the precinct uh, from a guy who used to work with Guru in Miami. And this guy was apparently part of that team there and when he looks at this guy this guy looks like a monster like he's not furry or anything but his face is all wrinkly he's got some little things going on there and he's like this is what happens when the drug just finally is too much for you and you know you don't go back to normal <laughs> basically how he puts it <clears throat> and so it's like once you're in, you're in. Right, and he tries to warn Max, like you know, don't get involved with this guy. And of course, not too long after that, Adam walks in and he shoots him, and then makes a claim that he was trying to harm Max's in the cell and whatnot. But they did. Adam got away with it just because Max doesn't know what to make think of everything. He's like, wow, this is this guy's crazy, or this guy's crazy. I'm not sure who's the craziest. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, again, you know, Max does more research because he's just concerned about what's going on. He finds out that Adam has actually been around for a while under different surnames. And, and he's, uh, he's, he's not just, like, you know, 35. Right. So, finally, he shows up, I think it's more like, sort of, right before. They're, they're all, like, kind of like vampires. They all hang out at the same little, uh, penthouse with, uh, Adam. And uh, they're sleeping, and he walks in and sees that Adam's in the bathroom filling up the serum vials for the syringe that he's taking from his head. So this is what was really kind of funny, because I, at the end of the movie, I asked Anubis, I'm like, so what was the, what was that serum? And he's like, you don't remember that scene? I actually didn't understand that he was taking it out of his own brain. I thought he was taking the serum and shooting it into his brain, and that's why he was, like, always so, like, pumped up, because he was going, like, straight into the brain. He was, like, going, like, hardcore instead of just, like, taking the serum in his arm or something. 
So that um, I had to have a little bit of an explanation to what was going on. Yeah, so he's pulling it out, and then, of course, Max is like, what the fuck? And, of course, it just, you know, his little joke, uh, Adam's like, yeah, this is my brain, and this is you on my brain. And so that's the little running joke there. And obviously, Neko picked up on the whole, like, this movie subconsciously is about drug addiction. And yeah, like, like, drugs that. are bad. Right. Look at you. You're taking drugs, and now you're going to go down the wrong path, and people who do drugs are, like, doing bad things. That's exactly what they were trying to push. Now, one thing the guy from Miami was trying to warn Max about was every time Adam Guru has left a particular city that he's helped with crime, uh, the unit that he worked with ended up dead. He was the only one to survive. So, That's because he was hitting them all up with that serum. Well, not that, but we found out at the end of this movie that the whole plan of Adam is to kill his unit. Like, he's, no one survives it. And the only reason why Miami died is because he was able to escape somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we get to the final fight where they're uh, attacking the dock... Uh, some I forget it was the drug dealers or gun runners again. It was just it, it was, yeah. They always make like the bad chasing, guys are so like oh they're doing drugs. Well, they were chasing some certain guy that kept trying to fuck with them, and Guru was like sending bodies to the top of their building and letting them know that they weren't to be fucked with. But anyway, there was a deal going down on the docks, and uh, they were going to go bust it. But uh, Max was going to stop this, and. Finally, he shot. He actually shot Adam with a, a silver bullet, which is kind of interesting. Here, um, it took Max down, or took Adam down, and the other two were left. Because by this point, Adam Garud already killed out one of the members because he was not taking the serum. Like he just got pissed off and killed the dude. So Adam shot. He falls down. Max is like, uh getting ready to walk away. Like, Max is like, okay, I killed the motherfucker. I'm done. We've done this. So then Adam gets up. <laughs> he's like, not so fast. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's a full eclipse. Silver doesn't hurt me. And then he goes, you want to see something really scary? <laughs> and that's when he transformed into the werewolf. And, like, he's like a full-blown werewolf at this point. Which, to their credit, bad, kind of bad CGI at that point, but... At least the werewolf look looks like a werewolf I like. So, mm-hmm. so he obviously goes after uh, Max, and Paula Marshall's character tries to step in and then is quickly taken out by uh, Adam, and then also the other guy, same way, he just kills them uh, just because he was going to do that anyway. Max is meanwhile trying to avoid him, and they're jumping on top of crates, or what would you call those things? The, the big shipping containers? Yeah, there's shipping containers. I mean, we call them literally boxes. Right. So, you know, there's this ensuing thing. They get put up in the air in this container, then they eventually crash down to the bottom. And I think at that point it does kill because the eclipse is starting to go away. So he either... Oh, did he shoot him again? I don't think he did. No, I guess the eclipse... I guess he could still be hurt. But either way, the eclipse was going away. And well, that, that that's why he was losing his his super strength because the eclipse was, you know, separating. So you were able to start seeing the moon again. And I just can't remember if he shot up again <clears throat> or not. But anyway, they, the crate, the container falls. It was pretty high, 
And both of them are kind of hurt, but at this point, uh, Adam is, like, dying. And so he's telling Max, you know, don't let my bloodline, like, leave here. Like, I, it's almost like he kind of got the impression that Adam's like, look, you don't have to follow the same steps I did, but just don't let this go to waste. Do something with it. And, because uh, you are able to control it. Adam was stating that he took him a minute, but he got a way to control how he changed and all this shit. And then we do kind of see Max playing around the blood a little bit. <laughs> and then, of course, the final scene is they're in a new city. He's uh, reconciled with his wife. Right. She cuts her finger with the knife while cutting and making dinner. And he's, like, you know, being all sexy and licking it. And goes back into his computer room and starts looking on his calendar for the next full moon, full eclipses. Because he wants to be able to use it for good. Right. Now, Anubis and I both have two different, I guess, theories. Like, I was like, oh, he gave his wife the serum or he turned his wife and that's why her finger healed immediately. But then he's like, well, maybe her finger healed immediately because he licked it. And I'm like, I don't know. That's yeah, it. it's hard to say because like, you would think that saliva mixing with the blood would do that but then i'm saying to myself what purpose would she have to be a werewolf like i don't know if other she... than to live a lot longer than right but like would that be something they've talked about before like they really don't address that part of it. i just think that well i mean if you came to me and you told me what was going on i'd be like oh well you and i of course but but think about it they're married they're a married couple and and he says listen this crazy shit happened to me, and I ended up getting shot, and somebody gave me this serum that healed me. And I've been told that I'm going to live a lot longer than you, possibly hundreds of years. I'd be like, yeah, give me that shit, too, because I want to live hundreds of years with you. Like, I, well, I can picture a wife saying that. Maybe, yeah. And then, of course, the other part of that is, once she notices that her cut is healed... Uh, there'd be questions. And she just kind of smiled, right, too, right. after it happened. So, so she knows something. something. Yeah. But whether she was changed as well, I mean, I don't know if that's what they were inferring or if they were inferring that his lick is, is healing. Either way, it was really, really good. Lots of action, lots of you know, mystic type stuff. And I am glad that it wasn't the usual trope, which I thought it was going to be. I'm like, oh yeah, I've got this whole movie figured out. And I don't know how I've never seen this movie because I... Evidently, it's something that a lot of people, like even Samurai, uh, a lot of people that follow him or like when I posted about it, they're like, why have I missed this? How do I not know this? And, you know, it's just one of those movies I thought most people would know about, but they don't. But that's probably because it went to direct video at the time, and I think it just followed under the radar a little bit. And the interesting thing about this, and you brought it up, was it's an interesting take on werewolves, and we like that. We just saw Ginger Snaps last night. It's a different interesting take on that werewolf uh, synopsis. Um, you know, in this one, you have werewolves potentially being good guys in a sense that they're trying to take out crime. They weren't killing innocent people, at least... You know, not the, the team itself. Adam Guru probably didn't care about anybody, but the reality is, like, if you look at some of the way they were, they like the team. I don't think they could ever transform into a true werewolf. Maybe they could. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe they they didn't maybe understand they, that they could. Like I think Max would be able to because he took the bloodline directly from Adam. But 
the other ones just had certain abilities and but you look at them and the way they were fighting they almost look like Wolverine from the X-Men that's how interesting it is because it was before they even put out X-Men movies yeah so, they had the claws like the bony looking claws right. and the, the fangs and stuff so the concept of it all is really good you might as a viewer kind of laugh that the fact that you know it didn't have the budget that it probably could have deserved but it, it, it works you have a lot of good actors and actresses in it like I said and uh, it does speed through it a little bit but um, ultimately it was very entertaining I still really like that movie um, I'm always big on werewolf movies that are both good but also just have interesting takes on the mythology of it all I am too. That's one of the reasons I like Lou's book was because it wasn't just your typical werewolf book. Well, she's releasing a new one, which is apparently sort of a semi-sequel to Banishing, so I have to get in on that. <laughs> well, do I have to read you the Banishing book? Did you read it yet? No. Um, I do want to see if I can kind of get her on the phone next week. I want to see if I can set something up. But well, she's six hours behind, so is her ahead. So, I mean, if we do something earlier in the day, if she's available, I I mean... Well, I mean, even if we... I don't know, what time is it? See, it's 4.45. Yeah, but see, that would make it, like, 10, 11 o'clock at her. Yeah, if so we, we did it at, like, noon, she'd be okay doing it if she's available right so I'll, I'll see i'll talk to her a little bit she may not even she's the monster it. lady yeah when uh when well, she's Twitter. done some youtube stuff now which is very cool oh good yeah so I, i'm really happy for her she looks good she's uh really excited about her stuff um the new book looks amazing as it's about some werewolves and stuff too so i'll probably is this the one where you got to like start naming the the pub yeah or? i oh. think so or is no this... maybe it was banishing i did that for Shit, you know, I think it was the last one. Because <laughs> um, I have a character I'm supposed to be in one of those. Not me, but just But, like, and, the name that you picked. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see about that. But uh, also we'll have Neko's Pick of the Week, uh, not like for the song, but her DVD pick as well. Shoot, I, there's just so many that I want to I wanna do. Um, I, I don't know, like, because I thought we were going to go comedy this week, so maybe I could go comedy um, next week. I love a good, you know, or I could go do a complete flip and do, like, another uh, scary movie. I, I don't know. This is, there's, we have so many movies that we just... Every week I go in there and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I want to do this. And then I'm like, mm, I don't know, I want to do this. <laughs> well, for, for me... Because there's actually a film I want to do that I've seen, again, it's always because people, I see people talking about things and I'm like, I actually own that and it's a really good movie. I should rewatch it because I haven't watched it in a while. Okay, so your next pick of the week in two weeks... We're going to do that movie that you bought, that's that older movie that I said, I don't know if I'm going to be interested, but I'll try. Well, we did try to watch some of it on YouTube, remember? And I don't think you're really into it. I don't think, I, I don't know. I don't. Or remember. we saw like a trailer, it was like a review. It was a trailer, yeah, and I'm like, eh. Yeah. No, I have another movie in mind, you might enjoy it more than that. Uh, it's, it's more of an Asian movie, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It, it always changes here and there. But your pick will be next week, and we'll see where we go with that. I'm always interested to see what you end up with. Because we have so many. Right. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, in our next block of music, as we start to wind down here, 
Uh, as I said earlier in the show, uh, another new promotional site and uh, label, uh, Scarlet Records, sent us a band called Vexilum, which we'll be checking out. That's awesome. Reaction Management with Arc Arrival, and right now Angels PR sent us Immortalizer, I'm Gone.
elbow with the bandy thorn. You're listening to the Hordes of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Pump it.
New Alter Age, Gore Concession. DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Here with you, getting ready to say adios, muchachos. Adios, muchachos. <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Had a lot of fun doing it. Many, many thanks to Rick and Steve Smith for coming by and doing a nice little interview with us. Oh, Talk I am so happy foosball. they stopped by. I haven't seen them in so long. Oh. Yeah, it's been a long while, so hopefully uh, everything holds back up so they can go hang and watch some Bronco foosball again. Great. Uh, many thanks to our friends at the promotional labels that send us the tracks. We appreciate it greatly. Hope you enjoyed all the other new stuff that we played today and, of course, some of the classic stuff. Going to break out with uh, one last track, some classic obituaries called End It Now. Oh, I love obituary. Later all, enjoy. Yeah.